Ah, you're good. Can you Photoshop? Photoshop? You know, I can't help you there, man. <laughs> I gotta say that because of Mike. Marty's cat <laughs> sitting in the back, having a good old time. <laughs> there you go. Picture's coming through pretty good. You guys are looking good. This is 50. Why didn't you wear Daniel Defense stuff? You did. You did. You were Ar- Arteryx. There you go. Get that Arteryx shit off there. <laughs> that armor is fast, man. I'm not wearing any fancy polos. I was cold. <laughs> is it cold in the face? Really, I don't care. We there gotta go. tell Bill he's lazy not coming on here. Oh, he's a, he's an asshole. <laughs> for not coming on. What was, what was, what was the reason again? Christmas party. Christmas party. Using that using that excuse. Like he can't get on his phone at the Christmas party and just say, hey, you know, a little bit. I mean, it's hard when you have to be Santa. <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that was pretty good. Dude, I got to start like a dad joke podcast, you know? Oh, God. Dad no. joke podcast? Dude, I have been laying them down no. over here. No. <laughs> I've been laying them on thick for two days. Apparently, there's something wrong with your email address. I'm not getting it right, or you gave it to me wrong, or something, Nate. Ah, that's just me not being able to type right two times in a row. I got your. I spelled Bressler wrong the first time, and I spent spent spelled Daniel wrong the second time. We'll see if we can find a way to make it like pictures for you, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. If you don't make it kindergarten level, then I'm not going to get it. What, what do they call it? Barney level, Barney style, or Barney style. There you go, right? Barney Down style. Barney. Yeah. Put it to music so I can remember it. <laughs> Little ditty. Jack wagons. You got your jack wagons all lined up. Yeah, I think so. I like it. I like it. And I'm going to talk about old Ghislaine Maxwell and her trial and all the coincidental, yeah, coincidental events that have partaken. Yeah. Oh, there was a shooting here in Tennessee. School shooting like yesterday or something. I didn't hear about that one. Mm, I knew that. It's around Memphis. I mean, that's a shocker. <laughs> that's what yeah. says it around Memphis. I say it wasn't that one about the uh, the child custody where the dude smokes the guy on his front porch, was it? Oh my God, was that real? I thought that was fake. No, that was real. I thought it was fake too. So that's that's new news to this guy. Okay. Wow. Well, let's talk about all this. Is all good stuff we need to be talking about. Let's get this show started. You guys ready? Yes, sir. I'm ready, man. Dig you ready to do this? Yeah. All right, all right, all right, lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. The only podcast that I know of with that name. Have you guys ever heard of another one? Nope, not yet. Maybe Talking Lead. There might be a Talking Lead one out there. But we get called that sometimes. <laughs> Got a great show lined up for you, lead heads. If you've been watching the social meds, uh, you know who our guest is this week. We've got Daniel Defense. Jason and Nate joining us. Gentlemen, welcome in. Appreciate you having us, Marty. Same. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys taking the time to be on. And I'm excited to talk about the trip that Bildo and I made up there to do a a tour of the factory. Appreciate you guys arranging that and setting that up. Uh, We're going to talk about that on this episode. Uh, And other things, too. we got a lot to talk about. So if you haven't had an opportunity, make sure you go back to last week's episode and uh, check it out. I'm trying to remember who it was. I believe it was Flatline Fiberco was last week. It was our, our latest uh, podcast. So go check that out. We were talking about their new uh, dump pouch. They've made some innovations to the dump pouch. 
uh, that you probably haven't ever seen before. And uh, Chad with Flatline talks about that. Their slings, their ear pro covers, and uh, they've got some new things coming out that they're working on too that he hinted and alluded to. And he dropped a discount code for you leadheads, so make sure you go to Flatline Fiber Co. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 10% off. Uh, anything there, even if it's on sale, you get 10% off. And they were running a smoking deal on those dump pouches. If you caught it in time, he had them marked down like, I don't know, 10 bucks, and then you got an additional 10% off if you use that code. And like everybody this time of year, there's Black Friday, end-of-year deals going on in codes. So he's probably got one floating around that might even better be better than that 10% off. Uh, I don't know, but you can definitely count on that 10% off code. Uh, so go check him out. Let him know how much you appreciate him being on the show and those awesome giveaways that he did. Uh, he doubled the the prizes last week, where we were just we were going to give away a pouch and a sling to two listeners, but he ended up giving a pouch and a sling both to two listeners. So that's pretty cool. So good on Chad. He's a good dude. Check him out, Flatline Fiber Co. Uh, and then of course we got uh, before that we had the AK Corner. That was our 11th episode. We've got one more coming up, and that's going to be dropping this month on the 15th. And from the, the guests that I've been talking to and, and trying to get lined up for you, I don't think you're going to be disappointed in the season finale of Season 3 of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Some big names. I don't, want to, I don't want to give them away right now, but you guys are going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. And, of course, we're going to have some awesome giveaways on the season finale. And speaking of giveaways, Nate and and Jason, you guys have lined up an awesome giveaway for the listeners this episode. Talk about that. Yeah, so our marketing team got with us and they said, "Hey, this is a pretty cool opportunity." So they're going to draw, you know, however you want to do it, Marty. But one lucky listener uh, is going to get two hundred and fifty dollars gift card uh, to the DanielDefenseStore.com apparel site. We've got some new. New outer garments coming out that were getting a little pricey. So we said, well, if you want it, you can get it if you're the winner here. So uh, pretty cool little giveaway from that. And uh, it's all digital. So that's awesome. Just send an email and get it to you. All right. We're going to do that toward the end of the show when we start doing listener questions. Because as you know, in order to be eligible for our giveaways, you got to participate with this podcast. And we posted a Instagram post, Facebook post, asking for your questions for our guests like we normally do. And those are the people that we choose our winners from. So if you're listening to this and you didn't take part and you're like, hey, how come I don't get an opportunity? Well, that's why. you got to participate to win. And I even did a little thing that I don't always do on Instagram. I did an Instagram Live a little bit before we started recording just to remind everybody uh, to go post those questions. Uh, because I did I did post it late. I'm normally late in, in posting that. And I apologize, but... You guys know it's coming, so you got to be on the lookout for it when that when that hits every every week. Um, and then also speaking of giveaways, we've got our holiday giveaway that we're doing. An awesome holiday giveaway that we're doing with IWI. We're giving away a Galil Ace. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, nice. Right? And it's a 8-inch, so it's a Galil Ace pistol, and it's got an SB tactical brace on it. Um, something else, I don't know. But then we've got a whole accoutrement of other companies that have joined in with us that are just going to make your your Galil even better. 
lockdown. Um, they're giving away. I can't remember what they got. Uh, a puck, one of these things for your safe. A uh, little security system. It monitors your humidity, your heat, uh, motion detection. Like if somebody's trying to break in or bang it, it it sends you notifications to your phone. It does a whole lot of other stuff too. Um, one of their hideaway shelves. You've seen those uh, furniture where you can hide guns and stuff throughout your house. They've got a mm-hmm. shelf um, that they're going to be giving away. And there's an AR-15 magazine holder like goes that goes in your safe, an organizer, so you can put your mags in it, and a trigger lock. So if you want to be even extra safe and secure, there's a, they're going to provide a trigger lock for that Galil. And then Seal One, SealOne.com, Seal One and Done, they're going to have one of their awesome um, variety packs. It's going to have a little bit of all their products in it. Actually, it's going to be a lot of bit of all their products, uh, full size. They're going to have uh, cleaning patches, the brush, the whole thing, so that you guys can uh, get your Galil nice and clean and protected. Uh, this is an excellent product to um, prevent corrosion for your firearms. So, Seal One, uh, Mission First Tactical, uh, really went above and beyond. They're going to be providing five magazines. Five of their AR-15 magazines, custom magazines. Did you guys see the picture on the the Gleam site? Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. I have not. Nate, you got to enter, son. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're eligible. You can you can win. Uh, but we did cr- ugly Christmas sweater designs on <laughs> on four of them, and we did an American flag and the Israeli flag on, on one. So pretty cool for, for the uh, magazines. They're going to do a bag, one of their tactical bags. It's like a three day uh, bag. I can't remember what they call it, but I've got one over there. So the smaller size of it, uh, what else are they going to give something else? Magazines bag. Uh, I think they're going to do a dump tray or something else. Anyway, Getting a bunch of shit from Mission First Tactical also. They're always going in above and beyond. Uh, and then Enforce is putting up one of their weapon lights. I think I got the box here for that. Yeah, right here. So Enforce, it's their Gen 2 weapon light. These things are badass. I've got one running on my uh, ODS 1775 right now, and I'm loving it. And, of course... Flatline, Fiberco, that's the other one. They're going to be throwing in one of those awesome dump pouches and a sling. So awesome prize package going to one winner. You go to my Instagram, up in the bio, there's a link you can click on to enter that. And I can't remember how many you get just through the normal process, but you get a bunch of bunch of entries. The more likes you do, the more entries you get. And then there's a link you can share and get friends to sign up. And then for each one that signs up, I think you get an extra like 150 or 250, I don't know what it is, entries. And you've got till the end of December um, to go and get as many as you can. So now's the time to do it. And uh, it'll be a great new year for somebody, definitely. So, media the next couple days. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh, go and do that, Leadheads. Uh, before you forget, don't put it off. Get that link going and working for you. And, I mean, that's what we do here. We give away stuff. We like to reward our listeners. 
at Talking Lead. There's no other podcast that gives back to their listeners more than Talking Lead and Talking Lead sponsors and friends of the show like Daniel Defense. $250 gift card up for grabs this episode. So let's let's get into it. Let's do the show. You know what I hear? I'm hearing that Talking Lead jack wagon train rolling in. So Gunny, bring that train in. Hey, Ralph, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed, and we've got some jack wagons to take care of. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on jack wagons, but there's just some people that have to be called out. And I'm going to start with my, my guest. And Nate, Jason, which one wants to go first? Yeah. I'll go first. It's kind of the same one. So. Yeah. So. Okay. Y'all sharing jack wagons? I got you. Yeah, because it, it, it's got such a broad topic on it. Um, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Okay. You, know, you get the Rittenhouse verdict. You know, ju- the actual judicial system has done its job. Right. It's proven that it actually works. And now we're moving on to her. All of a sudden, we're on this trial. You have all these C- CEOs, CFOs resigning from companies. You have a mass shooting. We haven't had a mass shooting that has been publicly put out there on the news until now like mm-hmm. so i'm no conspiracy theorist by any means but i just feel like it's completely convenient right convenient now that they're they're trying to push the attention off of her and what has been going on to something else yeah absolutely That's my wagon right there well not only that but you know with people were angry over the verdict of kyle rittenhouse exactly you know, you know they're still calling him a murderer and and all, even though our judicial system, you know, was pristine, right? I mean, everything was, except the prosecution, which was completely biased and criminal, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. even even through their antics, it didn't it didn't work. You know, the American people saw through it, the jury saw through it, and justice, the correct sentence and justice was served uh, for Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, his life's never going to be the same again. No, uh, poor poor fella. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of death threats and and things like that uh, going around for him. So he's going to have you know be on the swivel all the time, keep his head on yeah. the swivel. But um, the one that was going on simultaneously with that one as well, mm-hmm. the the one uh, with the with Ahmad Ahmad Aubrey, yeah, Aubrey trial, and then of course that verdict went the way that the liberals, the gun uh, grabbers wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I disagree with, with that either. Just listening yeah. to the facts and what happened, you know, it's like, well, you know, guys probably shouldn't have been doing that. You exactly. Know? I'm a firm believer that when that happens, I don't know as much as the juries on either one of those trials. Either one of them. Nope. Exactly. So, that's that's why I say you know based on what I've heard what I've seen, um, and that's all we can do at this point because we weren't sitting there in the trial we didn't see everything or hear everything so, um, but you know I think justice was served there duly. Uh, now you're yeah, talking about talk talk about a little more detail in what you're talking about the trial you're talking about. So the maximum like it's just you got such a huge public figure that is being attention is being drawn to her through this trial and all of a sudden conveniently something happens that's going to trigger a lot of people in this country it's going to trigger families because it was a high school shooting now people are going to under like are, are my kids safe are they not safe 
Are we going to try and push more gun control? Are we not going to push more gun control? It's just, it always seems to cloud what's actually going on that mm-hmm. should be also being publicized as well. Like, I feel like just, I get it. It's a mass shooting. It's a horrible thing. I don't agree with it. It's, it's and it's a school really, shooting on top of that. And I the feel one for in the family. Michigan. Kids. Yep. Exactly. And I feel for those families. Like, I have a son. Nate has kids. Like, we understand. Like, we, we've never lost any kids. But it's like, you can't just dump all the attention into that and just stop producing anything on everything else. The, the biased coverage, yeah, I think, exactly. is what gets us. The Rittenhouse was all you saw for weeks. And then Maxwell trial starts, and conveniently, it makes about two news blips, and, and here's the next news cycle. Well, that, you know, and like you said, you know, all of a sudden we're seeing this resurgence in the the school shootings. Because there was one that happened here in Tennessee just yesterday. Yep. Uh, today's Thursday, so that would have been Wednesday in the, the Memphis area. Um, however, I don't think it was like a, a like school shooting. It happened like during a basketball game in the evening, and I think it was some older uh, punks that, that were involved in that. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know all the details on that either. But, you know, the Michigan, the Tennessee one, I think there's been another one also um, that I was hearing yeah. about too. And it goes back to that whole bias. It's like, okay, we had this trial of a huge public figure and all these people that could be involved, and now all of a sudden we're just going to not cover that and start covering all these shootings? Yeah. Like it's so, trying to take attention away from it almost. Is there, At least that's what it seems. So tell Tell me, what is the person on trial? Max Maxwell, who? Maxwell, it's it's tied to the Epstein scandal. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's her name? Was it Ghislaine? I'm going to butcher it. Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell. It's like G-H-I-S-L-A-I-N-E, Maxwell. I'm going to see if I can even Google it, because I was trying to Google um, the uh, Alec Baldwin stuff today to get an update on it, and it seems mm-hmm. like they're they're suppressing that information because he did and I'll save that because that's going to be my jack wagon obviously but <laughs> I want to find out more about this alright here it is G-H-I-S-A L-A-I-N-E Maxwell yep um, so I, I type her name in and a juror was excused from the trial um, I'm seeing that let's see what's in the news Maxwell was the lady of Epstein's house, former worker testifies. It was 40 minutes ago. This Maxwell trial centers on allegations of grooming young girls. And so what we're talking about here is there are a lot of high profile people who exactly. you know, could get, they're not going to, could get yeah. in trouble over this. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard Trump's name mentioned. I've heard... Clinton's name mentioned. I've heard. Uh, who else? I mean, there's there's a bunch of A-list actors in there. You've got Tom Hanks. Yeah, like it's one of the high high people. The people that are constantly in the news. Yeah, the people who are controlling the news, <laughs> basically. I would say they're controlling it, but they definitely have quite a pool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so all these things that are conveniently popping up that are overshadowing, you know, this exactly. trial. Um, I get it. I'm surprised this lady's still alive. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave honest. our comments to ourselves on that one. Well, I mean, just look at the facts. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at the facts and who's uh, involved with it. 
So yeah, that, that's a great jack wagon. I like that. Good catch on that. So my jack wagon, again, I think this is my third week in a row, is Alec Baldwin. He has, he had, and it's tonight actually. He's got a 60 Minutes interview with that um, Greek guy, uh, Stephanopoulos. Yeah. Is that a Greek? Greek? No, I think that's a Greek name. Anyway, he's got a 60 Minute interview, I think, with him tonight, and they've shown clips of it leading up to tonight. And he comes out and says that he did not pull the trigger. Alec Baldwin says he did not pull the trigger. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say, I would never uh, point a gun at someone. If that was the case, there would be a young female still alive till today. And somebody not injured, whoever he injured. But um, there's apparently some witnesses that are coming forward on his behalf and saying, yeah, no, he didn't pull the trigger like the assistant director. But on the converse of that, you know, the the young lady who's really, I think they're trying to put everything on is the armorer mm-hmm. chick. Um, and I had that pulled up here somewhere. Man, that can open up a whole other can of yeah. jack wagons right there. They'll not pulling the trigger and five firearm safety rules. Well, yeah. I want to, and that comes on, I think at seven tonight. Um, so we should be done in time to, to check it out. But I, I want to watch that and just kind of see. But, you know, he goes into his little acting crying and all this, boo-hoo, woe is me. Um, so ABC News has released a clip in which Alec Baldwin tells George Stephanopoulos that he did not pull the trigger on a gun that went off on a New Mexico film set killing a cinematographer. Alec Baldwin told ABC's blue, 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 whatever interview airing Thursday that he did not pull the trigger on a prop gun he was holding on a New Mexico film set when it went off, killing a cinematographer. Quote, I didn't pull the trigger, Baldwin said. I would never point a gun at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. That's that's one of the quotes there. That, that that must be one of those magic firing guns. Yeah, I've dropped a ton of guns that have been loaded in my lifetime. Never has it gone off, not saying it can't. But to hold a gun and point it at someone and say yeah. not pull the trigger and it went off, just that right there alone. Like, how ignorant can you really get? Well, like, and again, it's, it's a prop gun too, so who knows what they've done to it. What kind of exactly. modifications that they've done to it, so on and so forth. But still... It requires some force, and it's a wheel. He used a wheel gun, so it wasn't a semi-automatic or anything. So yep. you know, it was a, a wheel gun. Um, but there's got to be film, film or something of it. It was he was rehearsing, so they may not have been filming at the time. You know, it may not have been rolling. So I don't, I don't know if there's like any kind of film evidence or anything like that. But for her to be sitting behind the camera, you'd think it was probably rolling. Yeah, um, I would think so too. I mean, I get if you're going to rehearse, you're going to rehearse it like you're going to do it live, but yeah, yeah. And they make all these documentary things, you know, with, while they're filming films, behind the scene kind of stuff. So I'd be very shocked and surprised if there's not some sort of a footage uh, of it. Well, there may have been footage. It may not be there anymore. Everything's oh, filmed. Yeah. yeah, somebody had their cell phone out. I'm sure. Oh, you would think so. Um, it says I have. 
He said in response to a question about how a live round ended up on the set. I have no idea. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. That I can agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he didn't pull the trigger and didn't aim it, it had to have been aimed at her. Exactly. Because she got hit with it. I mean, it's not a magic bullet. You know, It's not like the Kennedy magic bullet where it's going to shoot <laughs> over here and it's going to zip over here and do a yeah. an Angelina Jolie wanted trick or something, you know. So, I don't know, but it says that ABC said a two-hour special 2020 will examine the investigation into the shooting in more depth, and that's supposed to air next week. So it looks to me like all these liberal uh, people are getting behind him and already creating his defense, you know, for him. It's ridiculous. I find it funny that they're turning a tragedy into a money-making documentary series about the investigation of the tragedy. Well, it's 2020, you know. So, but yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. So, there's he's still my jack wagon. I told you guys that I would uh, keep you up to date on what's going on with this because I don't want this to get buried. Uh, I want it to stay out there in front, and I want you know the truth. Whatever happened, happened. I want to know. So, there you go. There's my jack wagon. We may we may never know the truth, actually. So. We may not, but I, on a film set, there's just too many people not to not to know it. But then at the same time, they get pressured, too, if they want to keep their jobs. You want to stay in the industry. Yeah. yeah. You want to stay in the industry. You want that money? Money talks. I'm telling you, they, they make people do a lot of things they wouldn't normally do, like get vaccination shots or wear masks. Yeah. They're, they're still pushing that. My girlfriend works in the industry. She's she's down there where you get down in Atlanta, working on a uh, some vampire show or something right now, and uh, you know they're still making them do the test, wear the mask, all that, all that bull crap. Ridiculous. Yeah. All right, you got any more jack wagons? Anybody else come to mind? Do you no, want to call that out? Was, that was it for me. That was the main. I was gonna say, I think we can uh, we could probably beat a dead horse real quick on the jack wagons. I mean, oh, yeah. Go down the rabbit hole and create new ones for sure. We we could go days and days. Let me just make sure that nobody posted anything on Instagram. Okay, I don't see anything right off. So if there's one, when we go through them, we'll we'll pick it out and we'll we don't let jack wagons get away, so we'll put them on there. Like yeah, and that shooting I was talking about in Tennessee, fatal shooting after Tennessee high school basketball games is what it was. Two people were shot, one fatally, following a pair of basketball games Tuesday night at a Tennessee high school. Um, and of course, they still categorize that as a school shooting, whether it was students or not involved, or it had anything to do with the school. Let's honor a hero. Let's counter this this jack wagoneriness with with some heroes. And you guys have an excellent nomination so let's hear it so ties into what we were talking about right so young man by the name of tate meyer uh, was a football player at that school in oxford uh, where that tragic school shooting happened the other day Uh, and by all accounts i've seen it truly a a hero rushed the gunman and sacrificed his life trying to help others yeah so here here it is right here Star wrestler, football player Tate Meyer among Oxford High School shooting victims. 
Um, let's see what this says about it. And I didn't hear that. I didn't I didn't hear that he actually rushed the guy to try to stop it. Says Tate Meyer, sixteen, a star junior running back at Oxford High School, Michigan, was one of four students who died during a shooting at the school on Tuesday. He died while being rushed to a local hospital after being shot. The suspect, who has been identified as fifteen-year-old Ethan Crumbly. I got comments goals. about that. Was taken into custody after he killed four students and injured seven people. He's been charged with four counts of first degree murder. Um, Meyer, Hannah St. Juliana, 14 year old Madison Baldwin, 17, and Justin Schilling, 17, are four victims. There was three, so another one died, I guess, since, since the last time. And there was, what, like eight injured or something? Something like that, yeah. And one of them was a, a teacher. Uh, see, I was told that everybody in that school was running one way and Tate was running the other way when it towed the newspaper. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard told the Detroit Free Press on Tuesday night that currently there's no video evidence that shows anyone attempting to disarm the shooter. Uh, but you guys are saying that there are uh, witnesses that are saying that he did. Everything I was seeing, some firsthand accounts were saying that, that he died rushing the shooter. He okay. may not have gotten to him, but yeah, he was running toward the fire, not away from it. You made the decision. Yeah, and that's the definition of a hero right there. Here's a quote: it "says Tate is not just a hero to his fellow students at Oxford High School, but a legend. His act of bravery should be remembered forever and passed down through generations. He put his life in danger to try to help." The thousands of other students at Oxford High School. Um, that says reads the description on the change.org petition. Which I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, so definitely um, this young man deserves um, mention and a ride on Lead Force One, Tate Meyer. Rest in peace, buddy. And I haven't heard the whole story here. Do you guys know what this this kid Crumbly's beef was? No, haven't heard yet. I don't know if we ever will. I mean, <clears throat> rarely. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Any more heroes? Any other heroes we want to we want to honor, recognize? Honestly, I don't have any Tate, on top of my head right now. Tate Tate was the one that that hit me. I, I mean, mean I'll that's throw a good my one. Grandfather's out there, but you know, you, you throw know, your grandfather. My grandfather is always my hero. So, well, let's let's hear about it. Let's put him on the the talking lead lead force one. What we need to get him, Dale Dolezal. He out in Montana, Korean War Marine, grew up dirt floor poor, went to the Marine Corps, ended up graduating from Harvard Business, owns wow. his own company, worked his hind end off his entire life. So. That man's 100% my hero. Always will be. That is the definition of a hero as well. I love that. Self-made, pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and made made a great living. What what company? What's he do? He retired from Holland Hitch. They make the receiver hitches for 18-wheelers, uh, one of the major manufacturers. Yeah. And then uh, ended up starting his own consulting company, spinning up some companies, doing all sorts of stuff. And he's still... Man just turned 83, 84 years old, and he still goes to work every morning, runs three miles every morning. Oh, damn. Uh, in Montana. 
Yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, keep making hard. me feel this big. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a hard man. Uh, so. uh, yeah, he's a great role model. Definitely. Makes 29 year old Jason over here feel like a chump. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you ran three miles? Uh, I ran seven uh, on Monday. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Look at you. Very nice. Overachiever. Hey, man, I'm preparing for mammoth. Yeah. I'll say I'm rucking. I'm not running. You're going to ruck it? Uh, we're shooting Mammoth Sniper Challenge here in January, so. Oh, well, let's uh, let's talk about that. Let's huh. talk about that. I've heard <laughs> I've heard of it. So, what what is it? Where is it? And uh, let's talk about it. So it's the Mammoth Grunt Style uh, Sniper Challenge, and Vortex is a big sponsor of it as well. It's basically you're taking a bunch of ex-military or civilians. Anybody's welcome to shoot it. And you go out to Fort Gordon is where they're hosting it, and they've hosted it for the past, I think, two or three years now. It's in January, and it's basically you carry all your own equipment, your food, your sleep, everything, and you have to ruck in between each stage and shoot a sniper challenge, a competition, to try and win, obviously. And it's how many days? Three three days of shooting. So it's a four-day event. First day is kind of a registration zero day. Then at 6 a.m. that first morning, what you what you have on your back is what you've got for the next three days of a of a competition. You're going to end up putting what did we do last year? About 40, 42 miles. Yeah. So all in all, like just for rucks alone, you did around 33, 34. And then when you factor in all the movement in between the stages, it came out to be about 40 to 42 miles. Wow. In three days. That's that's a hell of a challenge right there. So they got a Facebook page, Leadheads, if you want to go look this up. It's called Mammoth Sniper Challenge. Uh, it's in San Antonio. The Mammoth Sniper Challenge is a four-day precision rifle shooting competition that tests the human body, mind, and spirit, and I guess friendship, too. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, got real close after last said, yeah, year. It, right. got, it got super cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Do a little snuggling. Yeah. There was a sleeping bags in between us. We're fine. There, there was no shame in this uh, struggle. No. Well, snuggle. Yeah. Let's see. G3dynamics.com. Let's see if this is a website for it. That's something different. It's more like a sponsor. That might be Chris Andrews. So, yeah. Grunt Style Vortex. Uh, Chris is the match director out there. Uh, he was a longtime Mammoth competitor. Uh, and ended up becoming the match director. He owns Best Targets, makes awesome steel targets. Uh, that's all you shoot the whole competition, uh, and they get hounded. Uh, well, some of them. The close ones get shot a lot. The farther away ones start, you know, getting a little more pristine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he uh, he took it over. It used to be out at Rock Castle uh, up in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, man, I've been up there. There, you know, they shut so that down, don't you? I had not heard no, that. I did not know that. Oh yeah, they sold it, and the developer chopped it up and sold it off into pieces. So it's uh, there's no chance of bringing it back. That was an awesome place. Yeah. Now, this, man, that's cool. So Daniel Defense is actually sponsoring uh, two of the stages again. We did last year. We normally, you know, winners in the it's called the Tough Man Division because uh, it's a little tough. But yeah. you know, they walked away last year with a, a brand new Mark 12 and a brand new Delta 5 Pro. Nice. Vortex put glass on it for them. Uh, so we, we're, we're usually pretty invested in it from a sponsorship standpoint. It ties really well into we dropped the bolt gun, you know, the Delta 5 Pro coming out. Mm -hmm. it, it made sense. And 
we're both going to have one on our backs this yep. year. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not the lightest rifle in the world. I shot a Mark 12 last year. It was way lighter. Yeah. Well, we're I gonna, shot a Delta Pro, so I'm, I'm hoping the same thing. Well, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the Delta Five coming <laughs> up. We want to talk about that uh, definitely. Um, but gonna get that train out of here, and uh, let's get those heroes on the the plane, Lead Force One, uh, and give them a good ride there too. So we want to learn more about Daniel Defense. I know that's going to be, I think, several of our listeners' questions. Uh, we might field some of those during this this interview, but uh, talk about Daniel Defense. I know uh, I would love to get Marty on here sometime, and you know, just kind of get the the true behind the scene, you know, story and all that. But uh, talk about Daniel Defense a little bit. Who? Where Where do you start? I mean, it, start kinda, from from what you from the beginning as far back as you can go. So you know. Marty started this company in essence because his golf game was terrible. Uh, <laughs> he'd go golfing, and he'd always come home more pissed off than when he started. Well, ain't that the truth? That's yeah. That's that's, that's my experience with golf too. Oh, hundred percent. If you can't, you know, wreck a golf cart, then what's the point? Right. Uh, but you know, so a buddy of his, this you know, this is way back got him involved in shooting ARs. Uh, and this was back in the Colt SP1, big hole uppers, you know. So Colt Sporters, uh, and he loved it, fell in love with with shooting and the shooting sports world. Uh, but back then it was all carry handles. So he was like, man, I really just want a flat top upper receiver uh, for my, my guns. Yeah, I got three or four of them. I only need four. The only guy that would make them for him said, I'll, I'll make them, but I got to make 100. So Marty said, all right, deal, uh, kept four of them and spent the next few years going to gun shows and, you know, calling folks and sold the other 96 of them. Yeah. Uh, really kind of sparked the fire. So then he came out sling loop, you know, uh, got really invested in this whole time. He's got Daniel overhead door. He's got a real job. He's, he's installing garage doors and fireplaces and, you know, <laughs> very lucrative at that time yeah. too, is from what we're told. Like it wasn't just, uh, like a niche thing where it was, he was making buy. He was actually be he was very successful at the garage doors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were it, talking it all, a couple episodes ago, you know, about all these, um, these businesses that were started in the garage. Mm -hmm. You know, his actually started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> making make garage, garage doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the filing cabinet in the back back of his office. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we went from garage doors to uh, one of the most successful commercial and military uh, producers of firearms. Not, yeah, not the, just the ARs, firearms. but firearms. Yeah, yeah. There, we, we make a couple of things for guns that people have no idea that that we make. Uh, mm -hmm. uh -oh. you know, the L eighty five rail for the Ministry of Defense. So, anytime you see over in in England, the you know Queen's Guard. Uh huh. They have Daniel Defense rails on their L85s. Wait a minute. I'm going to look this up. L85. There's, um, a, there's a few other countries over there as well that have DD rifles. We have a, a fairly big international following. What is the L85? It's that bullpup. Uh, oh, that's the bullpup. Yep. Yep. I'm going to pull it up here. For, for those that are listening, you can go to our YouTube channel. And uh, watch the video. 
if you didn't know, we do record the video as well. And uh, I'm a little clumsy, fum- flumbly on uh, on my transitions, but hey, we get them there. So is this it right here, the L85? So that's the gun. I don't know if you can see one that's got our rail on it. Um, but yeah, we, we've held that ministry defense contract for quite a while now. But yeah, I mean, so is that it? It's hard, hard to see, to see on see this it. little old laptop oh. here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can make it bigger there. Uh, that looks nah. like a drawing. No, I don't think that's it looks right. different. It's it's a, a you know a hinged Picatinny rail fits right on there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so all that to say, you know, it's it's not just ARs. It's not just the United States. I mean, Daniel Defense. We've got an international sales. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's he's overseas right now, uh, yeah. doing international. Oh, but business. this is it. Right that's here. it right there. Yeah, that's, this is that's it. Real. That's it. There it is. Yep, that's it. So I dig bullpups. Are we able to get those here in America? Mm, I don't know if you can get the L eighty five. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. think we have it as a commercially available option. There it is. I think you need to make one for the uh, RDB. The the Keltec RDB. They need a a good upgraded rail here <laughs> for theirs we'll, we'll a, pass it on to our, our well, design engineers and see what happens aftermarket sure there's there's one sitting down in our engineering vault there's one of about everything down there so yeah. yeah very cool very cool so um let me get my screen back here i'm distracted with that <laughs> boom there we go so you guys are sitting in the vault and one of, one, one, of, of two, one of two vaults. One of two vaults. Yeah, I didn't get to see the second vault. I saw, I got to see that one, I guess. Is that the one I was in? Yeah. Okay. It's our sales and marketing vault. So it's all of our like trade show conference guns that we bring to say SHOT Show, NRA, USCA. Um, and then also on that note, we also have teeny demo guns in here. So if we're going to go do range events or go somewhere where somebody wants to use a gun or they're going to take a gun, we can ship it to them from out of this vault. Okay. The other vault that you're that we're talking about is also the engineering vault. The reason why it's very very secretive because we have so many prototype things going on down there. It's we don't want the that public knowledge. We don't want it to be public just yet. You think I'm going to squeal? I'm not going to squeal. I don't think you're going to squeal, but it just <laughs> helps keep the uh, it keeps it down. You know. I understand. I understand. So we did a, a tour while we were there, Bill and I. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we went to that event down there in Georgia. And um, I got to say, I was very impressed with, I wasn't expecting the, the scale of what you guys are doing. Um, but like you said, there's things that you're doing that not everybody's aware of either. So um, it makes sense. And plus the fact that you guys are going to be expanding soon too. Um, it, I was just it's like, a little building. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little building. <laughs> They've already added probably like another five CNC machines since your guys' visit. So. Are you serious? That's no. serious. That's great. So I've I've done several manufacturer tours before. I even went overseas and did one in Poland at a for an AK manufacturer over there. And you know, of all the ones that I've done, um, and of course Glock is very impressive in what they do and you know, with with their handguns and and whatnot. But for what you guys are doing and the variety that you're doing, uh, it's just it was just like wow, I can't believe this, and everything was just like like smooth, 
precision, butter, everything was running just great. Of course, I think it was a Friday, so not everybody was there. Um, and that, yeah, that was impressive in and of itself. You guys were still running everything. Uh, but what was the guy's name that gave us the tour? Frank. Frank Whitaker. Frank did a great job, knows his stuff, so we appreciate Frank doing that. And he really knows that that process. He was giving us the ins and out of all the machines and you know the stages that everything goes through from start to finish. Um, and seeing those those Delta fives out there uh, was was amazing too. But just starting from the blocks of steel that they they come in, and then all the transformations from the rails, the barrels, the every you know every piece and part uh, for your for your rifles, the 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 M4s all the way to the the bolt there. So very impressive uh, layout. And then, of course, not just that, but just the facility in itself, the way it's set up for the employees too. It seems like that Daniel Fence is a very family-oriented type type company and that, so. that they like to take care of their employees. So everything from the lounge to you guys even have an on-site doctor uh, yeah. that, <laughs> that your employees can – yeah, free free health care to use. You know, if you're an employee or your family, kids, uh, yep. you know, we've got a, a physician's assistant down there, you know. Two Very now, impressive. Two of them, yeah. And they don't just do, like, medical. Like, they do physicals. If you need, like, health coaching or mental health coaching, like, they do it all. Yeah. And it's no cost to us whatsoever. It doesn't even go into our medical benefits. We don't have to use our insurance for anything. Marty and Cindy totally front the bill on it. It's, 100% force. It is a family business through and through. I mean, it, you know, it is not uncommon to see Marty walk around the entire facility, just stopping, talking to everybody. It doesn't matter if it's six o'clock at night, he'll stop and talk. Yep. Yeah. Well, unfortunately he wasn't there well, when I did my tour. I, I was a little upset cause I was really looking forward to meeting him, but uh, I've got some pictures and I'm going to show those now. So again, if you're listening, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, they were, they were kind enough to let me take some pictures while I was there. And I got approval on all these, so they should all be fine to show. Because I asked before I took took um, took the photos. And let's just start. You think pictures of just how dirty it is out on the floor and everything. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a speck of dust. So when you, when you come in, I mean, these are the big flags that you see there. The the Daniel defense. I didn't get a picture of the front, which I uh, regret. I didn't get a picture of the front. It's actually, my back picture. You got the jets in the background flying over the jet streams, <laughs> like this right almost, here. Yeah, it's like you almost. Those are your. Those are your lights from the, <laughs> from the <laughs> inside. Oh, it looks from this angle. From yeah. This little small TV. Or we iPod. did the uh, we did the national anthem and got the jet fly by while we were there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they really roll out the red carpet uh, for <laughs> you there. We do have red carpet now. They do have red carpet now. We do have red carpet. Let me start at the beginning here. Oh, there's those jet streams now. Yeah, there's some jet streams. So this was actually outside, so pretty impressive there. There's a parking lot. I don't know why I took a picture of that parking lot <laughs> space. Apparently you like Chevrolet Cruises. I think I was like, oh, that's where I need to park. You guys need to hire me. So here's a picture of the inside where you guys are now. We were in the vault. This is actually the video that I posted on Instagram. Um, and then these are the bolt parts that you guys make, muzzle devices that you yeah, make. Our, uh, our military cell. 
Yep, right there it says. Yeah, there's, there's oh, right look, there. Milturn. Mil you know. There it is, the Milturn station. I may have given the tour a time or two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these are all different uh, parts that you guys make. Here's some receivers. Forgings. We don't do anything billet. Everything's CNC'd from a forging. And then here's some Delta Fives. Those actually were probably just either they either were getting ready to be test fired or had just gotten test fired, getting ready for packaging. Okay. I'll let you guys explain these. There's some more. Got them laid out. I mean, these things are just laying everywhere. I just wanted to grab one. So you're not going to miss one. So usually when they're laid out on the carts like that, they have a, a custom work order attached to them. So they're probably being bought by a law enforcement agency or some agency of sorts. Mm -hmm. Or they're a special run for Marty or Cindy for somebody else. So they get something that's extra. There may be a different muzzle brake or different oh, trigger, okay. something of the sorts of that. And that, so that one's mine right there. I think that was okay. <laughs> custom, but no, he mentioned that because that's why he turned over the sheets there. He didn't want any of the the yeah. info because those yeah. were custom. I think these were too. Yep, those are. Does that have the? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's a yeah. that's uh, it's got a few new new stuffs on it. So uh, there's been some pictures floating. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's some of your. Your DDMs. Yeah, couple Mark, yep. Mark, couple Mark 18 uppers right there. Yeah, a couple, yeah. I mean, that was just the thing, just seeing the sheer volume of these. And uh, how many of these do you guys crank out a week? Is so so it's going to depend. It depends on the build plan, right? Yep. So it, it really is going to all depend on are we doing a ton of bolt guns? Because those are going to be way more labor intensive, right? Those are, they're not as uh, quick to put together, they're a precision piece. But, I mean, on average, a couple thousand a week. Yeah. So this is the room that I really liked and I was mm. impressed with was the, your armorer's room. Oh, he takes pride in that. Yeah. And the yeah, fact that you only have one full-time armorer, just oh, really. gunsmith. Yeah. He's, Gun, our, he's our only full-time gunsmith. Gunsmith, yeah. Uh, just really impressed the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah. If your gun comes in under warranty and it needs work, Joe Gern is who's going to do that work yeah. every time. And he doesn't, he does not cut corners. He does not care. He doesn't care how mad you are or how happy you are. He's going to make sure when it comes here, he he diagnoses the problem, he fixes the problem, and you get it back and it's it's ready to roll. Yeah. And I was very impressed with uh, how neat and organized you know, he keeps everything. I was like, yeah, was this, this needs to be my workbench. <laughs> so you're talking about warranty and issues and problems. Uh, I so guess this is your, yeah. your, what do they call it? The problem bin or something? Yeah, I like to call it the uh, play stupid games and stupid prizes cart. <laughs> not, not everything on there is a uh, you did something stupid kind of. Yeah. Like, for example, if you go uh, from the receiver to the bolt carrier group to the short-barreled rifle that's there, the small 10.3-inch, we actually, that was a torture test we did. We just mag-dumped and mag-dumped just to see how hot we could get one Yeah. For, design engineering purposes and it melted the gas tube yeah just kind of shows you <laughs> that's we actually, this one right here yeah we actually put our products through a very strenuous test we don't just oh we shot a couple hundred rounds it's good to go it gets tens of thousands of rounds before it ever sees full production yeah so these uh these are actually some some warranty ones that people sent in that yep. you guys fixed their problems even though it might have been an id10t uh, <laughs> error. Look at this one. How many 
How many shots do you think that is to be in that, so, in that the barrel? Record 15. The record we have now is 10 on a uh, – On squibs? Squibs. Mm-hmm. And it literally on the barrel – I can't remember the, the length of the barrel, but it starts just – starts about an inch and a half after the, the chamber and stops an inch and a half before the end of the muzzle. It oh is so gosh. many rounds that it's actually pushed copper and lead into the gas block. The oh, my gosh. It's insane. <laughs> it and, is insane. And it's testament to the barrel because that barrel never bulged one bit. They yeah. checked the outside diameter. It is still the same diameter as it did as it left the facility. Wow. And it got replaced under warranty. That man got a new barrel, new gas block, new gas tube in his upper, sent back to him in less than a week. Yeah. Wow. So, so that, that's just show you that, you know, yeah, you can do something – like I said, play stupid games and stupid prizes, kind of thing. Yeah, but we're still gonna we're still gonna take care of you. And that's that's what impressed me seeing some of these uh, malfunctions. I guess <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll say in a nice way um, that that people had done is like it's obvious that they were idiots and didn't deserve a, a warranty coverage, but you guys still covered anyway. And that, I think that's awesome. Here's one of those L85 rails right here. Yep. Yep. And then. Uh, Actually, if you look to the right of that, there's that nice little silver shiny spot. Right here? That's a, yeah, that's a reminder to everyone that height over bore is a real thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you shoot over your buddy's gun and uh, shoot his rail. Yep, that was done with a uh, pistol. That was a pistol? Yep. Accidental handgun discharge. Accidental. <laughs> he, he didn't pull the trigger or point it. He didn't, yeah. yeah. He, he would it. never point his, his gun at somebody. Uh, and then something we're going to talk about, you guys do suppressors, which, you know, I I remember vaguely at some point in time that you guys did that, but I'd forgotten about it because you don't hear a lot about you guys, your your cans or your suppressors. You haven't really done a lot of, I guess, overt marketing on those at this point. Not right now. So the, the Wave is a great can. I mean, we offer it in direct thread and quick detach. Um, I mean, the thing is a tank. You're, yeah. you're going to have a hard time killing that suppressor. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a cool design that it's it's essentially 3D printed, uh, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And there's no welds. So the nice part about that is a weld is normally your weak spot in a can. Uh, well, we don't have any. So then your serialized component is the locking collar on the quick detach that is below where the round exits. Right. And that suppressor has got the same warranty that our guns do, that anything with our name on it, anything that has the Daniel Defense name on it, if we built it, it's covered 100% for life. That's, I don't care if you're the first owner or the hundredth, we, we got you covered. So we've had catastrophic events uh, and guys will have a baffle strike. Give us a call. You're going to talk to me or Nick or Colton or one of the guys on the sales team or Jason or warranty. You're talking to one of us. Uh, I'm going to send you a shipping label. We're going to put a new suppressor core with your locking collar on it and send your can back to you in a couple of days. Uh, nice. To your front door to be exact. Yeah. So you didn't hear a lot about it. Uh, it's a great can. It's a little heavy. It's a little longer than something like a Surefire or a Dead Air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, they, the biggest purchasers of those uh, have been law enforcement. Gotcha. And how do they attach? You got just a quick uh, attach? We have a QD and a direct thread variant. So that's the QD. It's going to mount up to uh, DD wave break. We've got one right here behind us on our PDW SBR. 
So I don't know if you can see that, but let me uh, let me make the screen. Um, stop sharing the screen here. Hold on. We don't know what you're doing, Marty. Come on. There we go. Now I got you back. All right. All right. So, yeah, so here we go. Acme threaded. Uh, when you put the can on, it recesses over that ridge. Quarter turn locks it down, and you're good to go. Uh, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it works pretty okay. So now we we have not been, and we're not making them right now because uh, it was a pretty labor intensive process. It took like seven days to print thirty cores. Uh, so we're we're going back to the drawing board. There, there's hopefully going to be a second gen coming out at some point. Okay. Uh, and you said print, so you're 3D printing these. It starts off in a, yeah. a metal powder. Uh, ink it's ink and nail, but they don't like to use the word ink and nail, so it's a it's a nickel yeah it's nickel alloy based it's private the proprietary blend that we use but like nate said we're we're going back to the drawing board on it because suppressors now have gone through this uh flow through technology yeah and it just seems to be the way of the future for a suppressor because a lot of people don't realize that in that gas that you get from those suppressors there's 13 toxic metals for the human body so that's why flow through has become such an important aspect in Technology or suppressor technology, but that's not the only can we make. Okay. We also do make that Please nice continue. In integrally suppressed rifle. Integrally suppressed, we like yep. that. Nine inch barrel, shroud permanently attached to the gas block, and a suppressor on the end of it. So one stamp inches. gun. Yeah, there got is. a removable baffle core in it. So it you got a baffle okay. strike or an in cap strike. All you're removing is the baffles. And since that shroud is the only serialized component on this firearm, yeah, you don't pay two tax stamps. Because as long it's as you don't damage your shroud, then uh, you can... Yeah, exactly. All we're going to do is you're going to bring it in, we're going to replace the baffling, and we're going to send your gun back. Well, on one of those pictures I was showing, there was, a, I guess, a baffle strike on one yep. of those those cans there, and mm -hmm. you guys were able just to, to replace the baffles That's and... And that's what Nate was saying about the wave because we made the collar serialized. And since it's behind where the bullet exits, the odds of it getting damaged are very slim. So we can just replace an entire baffle core and, and core itself and give you a brand new, basically brand new suppressor because all you paid for or paid that tax stamp for was that little collar. Right. I love Same it. thing with our SR. Yeah, I love that. All, all suppressor companies should do that. I know a couple of them are doing that. Um, yeah. Aculus, Aculus Defense does there the, I don't know if you can see the one I got right, uh, your back's covering it. up. <laughs> <laughs> so that one, uh, it wanted to be DD too. does that also. <laughs> Do what? I said it wanted to be DD as well. <laughs> it did. They all aspire to be DDs, right? That's actually a Nordic components. Um, okay. they, for some reason they don't make rifles anymore, but they made a damn good um, AR, I don't, you know, AR 15, I AR 10. They did, they did make a good one. Yeah. Luckily I got them when I did. So, um, there you but, go. but they're nice. I enjoy them. But, um, so the cans, the integrally suppressed, you've got that. And then the, the wave and the calibers that you have the wave in are the five, five, six and 30. Sim they're all going to be a 30 cal can. The can itself is a 30 caliber baffle stack. You can shoot 17 HMR to 300 wind Okay, got a multi-cal uh, then. Okay. But we offer, so like the quick detach comes with a muzzle device, uh, and you can choose 5 eighths by 24 or half by 28, and the direct thread we offer 
same thread pitch. Okay. Now, can people still thread pitch out there? So can people still get those? Or depends on if your dealer's got them. So we don't sell NFA items direct. Sure. So that's you know. But you said you weren't making them anymore right now either. We're we're paused on them, so we haven't made any new waves here in in a little bit. um, But you've still got dealers and distributors getting them in. uh, you know, there's still some out there. Okay. And and with that being said, we did keep a reserve here in the facility. So if you do have a warranty issue, we can still take care of you. We're not just going to cut it off and not take care of you afterwards. We, we kept a reserve. So that way we can do that for those people. Cool. I dig it. Dig it. So now let's talk about the, the, the Delta five. We talked a little bit about it with uh, Amy Winehouse. (laughs) <laughs> Jake. Jake, good old Jake. Um, but we talk more of the military aspect side of things. So let's talk the the civilian commercial side of things here. I'll say if you want to go ahead and grab that one. And we love gun porn, so grab one, bring it over here, show it to us. Oh, yeah, we got them. We have a couple place. we can't put on the camera too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, just let me know when that happens. I'll have to wait a shot show for those. Let's just put it that way. Okay. All right. So, so this is your your Delta Five bolt action. Pro Delta Five Pro Delta Five, Delta 5 Pro. Pro. So we have our original Delta Five, which has got the little polymer stock on it. Mm-hmm. Same action, same barrels, just different. Now it's in a different chassis furniture. Box. Yeah, which is uh, sexy, sexy. I love it. I love a chassis. Exactly. And this is in our Coyote tan. We offer an OD green and black as well. Uh, the black is at twenty four nine nine price point. We did that because we wanted it to be a production rifle that you can use in PRS. But we wanted it to be a true production rifle. There's a lot of companies out there that make production rifles, but they don't come with half the features this thing does. You get used to have to buy a muzzle device. Uh, you know, there might be other little trinkets you have to put on there to make it a complete rifle. Mm-hmm. Us out of the box, you can take to a match and start shooting. In fact, the engineer that actually designed this gun. Uh, Daniel McElroy, he shoots PRS with me. We're the two PRS shooters for DD, and he shoots it in production class. He uses factory 107 Burger Hybrid Federal Bullets. Everything, same trigger, hasn't changed anything. Uses uh, Collis Night Force or Collis Glass. It's that meets that production price point mm. and has just been killing it with it. He doesn't win every match he goes to, but he does win a majority of them. And it, it's something to be said because we and we also. A lot of companies won't give that accuracy guarantee. We, this it's half minute or better, and we stand by that hands down with match grade ammo. Even if the shooter, it's the shooter error. <laughs> yep. So let's send Jason out to help. <laughs> let's start with the the butt stock since that's the the one that's in camera here. Let's start there yeah. and work our way up and talk about the features. So the butt stock, we'll kind of sit here. Um, super user friendly and adjustable. You can change your comb height. So if you need to raise your cheek up or head up and down to adjust you to your scope, you can. It also has a toe in, toe out feature. So it actually will tow like this or this. So it's not always just straight. You can actually make it conform to your jawline because you want to be very comfortable when you're shooting a precision rifle. You know, you want to be consistent. You want to be comfortable. All that equates to accuracy and being precise. Our buttstock, they have turn knobs. You can turn and loosen and raise it up and down. There's also watermarks on here. So say if I'm shooting this rifle and we're together at a range and you want to shoot it, our builds are different. So you may need to make it a little more comfortable. 
you can adjust it. I know where I have it. So when you shoot it and I get it back, I can readjust it back to me. Nice. The same thing as the, as the Como height, their length of pull, you can tow that buttstock left to right as well. So you can conform it to your body. We wanted to make it as personal to you as possible. Where you see these nifty little turn knobs, they're not just some little plastic cover that goes over a bolt. They're machined metal, robust. They, they're not just going to break off or come off. Yeah. On that note, wherever you see these pins that adjust, there are set screws on the opposite side of this buttstock. I don't know if you'll be able to see them. You can kind of, the little set screws here. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to run those knobs, you could set those screws in and it permanently locks that buttstock to whatever, whatever length of pull you have or comb height. So nice. Super user friendly there. So um, how many points of articulation would you say that is right there? <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. More than you'll use probably. Six or seven in the stock. Or more than yeah. I'll use probably. Nice. Um, All right. Let's move our way on up here. Moving on down, you'll notice that there's a little block here. Mm -hmm. Um here in the future. Kind of leave it open to determine or nah, it's out there. There's yeah, a folding there, adapter. There is a folding <laughs> adapter in play. Okay. It has not yet hit the market. But it's coming. Okay. And that's what that little it. section right there is kind of yep. reserved for. It's, 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 yep. It, yeah. That's what it's reserved for. Everybody ask about it. But like Nate said, it, it's it's out there. A lot of people already know about it. It's in the mail. It's it. Yeah. It's it's coming. We just don't know when. That's that's all. Um, Moving down, we use our own pistol grip. However, you can put any AR-15 style pistol grip on this rifle. Oh, okay. Nice. There's also what in the firearms or PS world they call it. It's a gas pedal mm -hmm. or thumb rest. I call it a thumb rest. I don't prefer to use gas pedal. Um, it is adjustable. You can move it up and down, and you can switch it if you're left-handed or right-handed shooter. Okay. A ambi selection. Nice. Yep. So if you shoot, most people who shoot precision shoot with a false grip, you know, thumb mm -hmm. off so you don't have that sympathetic response of squeezing. Yeah. Um, it is a proper – Show that again. Show that form again for our video – there you go. So, okay. Yep. Instead of wrapping all the way around, because if you squeeze your hand, you'll notice that my thumb starts to move. Yep. And it, it's a sympathetic response that you just can't. Yep. And when you're shooting really small can targets. can make your gun move distances. too. Yeah. Yeah. It equates. Um, proprietary action to Daniel Defense. It is a short action. Um, it uses a Remington 700 style trigger because that is a personal tilt asset. Your, tilt your camera down just a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to raise it up. Sorry, okay. I'm working off this little bitty laptop camera. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. We're so it good. comes with a, hunt, a Timney Hunter 510 Elite. It'll leave the facility at about three and a half, four pounds for legality reasons, but you can tune it down to a pound and a half. Um, so that's the only thing on here that's Remington 700 compatible. But we wanted to make it that way so because triggers are very personal sure. for people. Um, the action, like I said, it's the same action as our original Delta 5. However, a lot of people who are used to shooting room 700s, you have a little bit more of a pullback on this of about three thou. So a lot of people will tend to kind of not come all the way back. Mm -hmm. This bolt's meant to be ran hard. We did the SOCOM dirt and debris and drop test with this gun. So it's meant to be ran like you stole Rough. it basically. Yeah. Cool. Um, comes with a 20 MOA pick base on it. Talk about so the, uh, talk about your, um, bolt. Yeah. Handle. Oh, yeah, it's got a 60-degree uh, throw. So instead of the original 90, 
just all that's doing is helping you get that bolt up a little bit faster and manipulating so you're not pulling down a bolt that's way down here so it makes it a lot faster to manipulate um you can remove it if you've got a bolt knob you just love to run it's yep. threaded as well so yep. you can take that off okay um, you will hear the one thing that some people don't understand about this gun is we get people that say man it's it's a little loose back here uh they don't like it okay well well they're used to shooting a defiance or a krieger or something like that that's got incredibly tight tolerances and those are awesome actions but pour a glass full of sand in that action and run it yeah that's the reason that this is loose so it's a three lug bolt design floating bolt head but that is specifically designed to clear dirt and debris but once you go lock up, that thing is tight. You're not, it's not moving. It's head spaced. Yeah, you're. It, it's there for a reason, folks. I promise your your Delta Five Pro. Put some not, thought put into that. Yeah. yeah. And then, like like Nate's saying, it's got a three lug bolt face that's floating as well. So when it enters the chamber, it stays concentric. Can you pull that um, out? I'm gonna pull that bolt out. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see it's got a three lug bolt face. Yeah. Here, here, and here. Nice. So it's three lug. Um, and like Nate was saying, the way those lugs are designed when it enters the chamber, it use, it's like a cam locking system. So it keeps it very concentric. Like, so our, like you, when you came here, our hammer forging process, we're the only company in the United States that does it that we know of. Our rifling and chamber are both hammer forged. We don't yeah. cut our chamber. So when you get a barrel cut and put on a precision rifle, sometimes that reaming process can leave unnecessary tool marks or it may not actually be completely concentric so when you insert that bolt in the ch into your chamber and you have that round sitting there before it jumps in those lands and grooves it could actually offset that casing and bullet right so when it jumps into those lands and grooves it's off axis and can create issues in accuracy so it was very impressive that machine your hammer forge machine um yep. i think you were telling me it was like a 50 or 60 year old uh, machine. <laughs> the first one. The, the yeah, first you've got two. Yeah, you've got two. You got the old timer, then you got the new one. But you know, we saw the original piece of metal going in. You know, it was like that long. And then after yep. it was hammer forged, then yeah, into this long, this long piece. Of, yeah, it was like, and it's got those little. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So and go back. Another. Go back to the safety. We didn't talk about the safety. Oh yeah, sorry. So. It's got a standard Remington 700 style safety because that's what comes on the trigger. You actually have to pull the hanger off the trigger in order to put it on here. But unlike a Remington 700 where if I sit here and I fire this gun, I can still manipulate my bolt. If I put it on safe, I can still manipulate and unload it. So that's kind of one of the other neat features that we I like that. In there. Yeah. Sorry, I totally skipped over that. I apologize. No, that's why I'm here. <laughs> this gun's got again you there's so many features in this chassis system that folks have no well it's things like that that people just don't even think about and they kind of take for granted yeah. but then when you point it out you're like oh yeah that's that's pretty badass i like that i can't tell you how many times i've been sitting in a deer stand i'm trying to unload my gun before i lower my gun out of the stand and i have to put the weapon on fire so i can manipulate the bolt and pull the round out now you have another safety feature in place that keeps you safe and anybody else that may be in the woods with you or at a range safe. So absolutely. I love it. You took that into effect. Uh, if you move on further down our mag release, I don't know if you'll be able to see it here, mm -hmm. this little tab. 
it is ambidextrous. It's on both sides. So you have this side and this side. Okay. Push it forward. Very similar to what most chassis are running nowadays. Yeah. Just an index finger down. click. Yep. And uh, it our guns will ship with 10-round Magpul AICS mags. This is just a five-round mag. Just an easy one we had here on hand. Um, but it runs AICS mags. Uh, if you're running metal mags, a lot of guns that run the AICS pattern, you kind of have to tune the feed lips. And for those who don't know, that's Accuracy International. Um, yeah, so, chassis system. Something system. Yeah, chassis system. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Thank you. And then uh, moving on down further, uh, you have a barricade stop. So for those that want to shoot competition with this gun, you have this nice robust barricade stop. So you're not binding on your magazine, which could increase malfunctions. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do that with ARs when they're laying in the prone or they're shooting off a barricade. They start putting unnecessary movement and or binding that magazine so your rounds don't feed properly. So that's where that barricade stop comes into play. Yeah, I like that. And then we partner. I don't know if you can see it on there. I don't know if I can even get it close enough to the camera. So we're looking at the underneath of the the gun now, just to, yep. in front of the mag well. On the bottom of the rail at the oh. fore-end section. Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't show the... Yeah. <laughs> well, Nate's got a black yeah. one. Might be able to see better. You see it right here. Okay. It says Area 419. Yeah. They're a company out of Ohio. They make precision rifle parts. Yep. And they uh, developed and patented what they call Arca Swiss. If you're familiar with Arca, the, the Swiss is they actually put scallop cuts in it. You may be able to see it. And it's just a, uh, an extra locking mechanism. So instead of just having a slick rail that you're attaching to, yeah. their components have dowel pins. Because you're more that, positive. That, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, for those of that are skeptical of it, we tested it with this rifle. With bipods fully extended, basically slamming it onto the bipods, the worst possible fall this gun can make, it dropped two slots. Hmm. Two little scalps. So, I mean, they, they are robust on here. It's not like just a little small cut that's going to – fall off or shave away over time they're they're robust cool um so we partnered with them so that way we could put it and it's actually integrated to the rail it's not an attachment point so you don't have stacking tolerances or problems with stacking things on top of things and making it more inconsistent hold, hold that a little closer to the the camera the scallops there so yeah twist it the other, twist it the other way now the other way. now the other way yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit more so, yeah, that's perfect. See it great right there. So that's what he's talking about right there, guys. So you can throw your, your bipods, your attachments on there. It's yeah. going to be a Area positive positive group. Area 41? Area, Area 419. So Area they make a ton of accessories. You know, we Jason and I both run uh, their Atlas bipod combo. So take an Atlas bipod, replace the mount with their Arca lock. Uh, they make bag riders, barricade stops. I mean, you name it. they there's a glass punch one I saw for yeah. a, a spiked barricade. You know, tons to of great stuff. Um, they also provide the muzzle device uh, for the Delta Five Pros. Okay, so, so they make the the muzzle device. Yeah, we partnered with them. It's the uh, Three Port Hellfire. Area four one nine. Yep, that's it. I'm gonna look them up. Yeah, good yeah. company, man. They're they're great. Good. They're great people. Before we get to there, let's go back to the yeah. the the. Yeah top side rail mount your mount so there's actually a scallop cut here so mm -hmm. if you want one of those giant objective lens scopes and you mount it on this rail you can actually mount it low or with low rings and it won't affect anything it won't touch your barrel or your rail so that allows you so, so you don't have to buy super high rings or expensive right so you're not trying rings. to raise your face up 
super high on the gun. Um, I like that. It is all M-Lock, as you can see here. Let me move my camera back a little bit. <laughs> go, back, go back to the actual okay. the rail itself. The oh, the Pikachu scope. rail? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, so that is a 20 MOA pick base that comes on the gun. It comes standard. So it's 5.8 MRAD or 20 MOA. Yeah. And all that's doing is it's giving you more elevation. So when this scope is mounted on this gun, the objective lens is actually pointing down. So it gives you more elevation you can dial when you're shooting out the distance. Perfect. So you can kind of see it here. It's kind of real thick at the back and then tapers down as it goes down. Mm -hmm. That's where that 20 MOA is coming into play. Nice. Dig it. Yeah. And you guys are making that? You make that yourself? Yep. We okay. make that in-house as well. Very cool. All right, now. Thing, uh, go ahead. The only thing we don't make on this gun is uh, the rubber pad here on the, on the back yeah, on and, the and the Area 419 muzzle device. Everything's made here. All right, nice. what next, Marty? Huh? What next? <laughs> uh, so let's go back up. So it's uh, the the rails itself. So you got mm -hmm. the ability. You get the M lock, so you can put attachments on there. You've got right. you've got the let's go back to the um, the cutout on the rail there. Right, yeah, to to the cut there. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to throw thermals or something like that on there, then you would just go up there. Yep, you could put a pick base up here. Pick base up or there. Or wait till January. Uh -oh. Wait till January. <laughs> and you'll see what we're we're offering in. Okay. We've got a few different little accessories that are gonna be able to that are gonna come out with this. For just what I said type scenarios. Yep. So the rifle's already released. Now we're releasing the accessories for it. Okay. Well, I mean that's that's smart. It's what you gotta do. I dig yep. that. So let's talk about the barrel. Um so, it's a 24-inch 6.5 Creedmoor barrel. This is our H Palma. So you'll notice that it's kind of thin if we uh, were if we had one in here, which I don't think we do at the moment. It's your Peter uh, Palma. H Palma. Oh, no, God. not Peter so, Palma? <laughs> you remember Peter Palma? From, and uh, you can see here, this is our, top our shot. profile. Our bull barrel, as most people like to call it. The bull barrel? It's just how the barrel's tapered. You yeah. can see that it's a lot thicker than this one. Yeah. So it doesn't help accuracy-wise. I mean... The heavier the gun, the less recoil you're going to feel and the more you're going to stay on target. But there, there is no true accuracy gain between the two for these. Like, I, I shot a, this one against that one. Yeah, with a I'm gun that heavy already, you know, adding extra weight to that barrel is not really going to make that big of a difference. Well, believe it or not, these guns only weigh at about 11, 12 pounds. They're not as heavy as people think they are. Nice. I mean, there's, there's AR-10s that are heavier than these. Yeah. So, I mean, we did we we did cut it down pretty good. And how long is the barrel? Twenty four inch. Uh, this one, yes, twenty four inch. And do you have different sizes that people can different lengths available? Yeah. So the the Delta Five Pro we offer it in three hundred eight six five Creedmoor and six mil Creedmoor for the time being. Um, the three hundred eight is going to have a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 24 inch 308 more in stuff H coming at shot show <laughs> yeah yep. just a little teaser here uh and then the 26 inch 65 creedmoor uh in the h palma now when you step up into the varmint barrels we actually have two additional you know lengths on them so they're actually going to be a 26 and 28 inch varmint so that, it's longer and heavier uh and then the six mil creedmoor is also going to be a 26 inch uh but yeah they're they're tack drivers. Like Jason said, we guarantee these guns 
half MOA out of the box with factory ammo. And these are and the ones you're going to take to Mammoth, right? I've got a black one of these in 308 sitting in a rucksack right now at my house. And I have one that looks just like this, but it's OD green. OD Literally, green. same gun, just different color. 6.5 Creedmoor? Yep. So you're going to shoot 6.5, you're going to shoot 308 at this competition? One of you has to shoot a NATO cartridge. So one of you has to ah, run 308 or 556. That's part of the rules. I got you. Yep. Very nice. So do you get to spot each other? Depends on the stage. Ah, so they get different different rules on that too. There was a stage where we weren't allowed to talk to each other last year. Nope. All sign language. You have to point and hope he knows exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Are you like, hmm, 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 Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> one thing we didn't touch on, there's QD points all over this chassis system as well. So if you are wanting to run a sling or something like that, or a lot of guys are throwing game changer bags onto a QD, yeah. I mean, you've got QD points all over this thing. Um, you know, you can – there's a ton of ton of variability in here. You know, if you want to throw a monopod or something on the bottom, there's even M lock down here. Um, Keep mind of these two screws mm -hmm. from Shot Show. There's okay. things coming. Two two screws down at the bottom of the the buttstock. He's showing me there for okay. you people who aren't watching the video. <laughs> uh, and then I, I guess you guys can run your can on this. Yep, you can. Yep. So <coughs> you can't you can't just run our can you can run any of them the coolest part about this uh area 419 muzzle device here oh look what you just did it's a self-timing muzzle device so you actually mount up their adapter uh, and they actually sell uh, they don't make one for the wave right now but uh dead air silencer co you know all those guys you can actually get an adapter to put your can on essentially an area 419 adapter and mount it directly to that that device right there. So you yep. self-time it. You don't have to sit there with shims and everything else. I mean, it, and you it just hand, takes, you just hand tighten it. Yep. That, I love that. And um, like Nate saying, like you can put that adapter on there. Now you're not messing with shims. You're not trying to time a muzzle device. It's almost like making a QD. A and you can put that on any, any gun, right? They make exactly. it for, for any ARs or, or any. Oh yeah. Dude, I got a area four one nine. Because I was they sitting here this week, stuff. I've got uh, brakes that I want to change out to put my my can on, and I'm just like, because mm, I got, you know, when I put them on, I'm like, I, I don't plan on taking them off. But, yeah. you know, shit happens, and then you're like, hey, I want to change that up um, for whatever reason. But, yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that design. That is awesome. Um, that is the Delta Five in a nutshell. I mean, th I mean, this rifle is awesome, man. It's one of the only barrels. A lot of guys, if you do see the barrel up close, we're not going to be able to get that thing on camera. Um, but it actually never hits a lathe or anything like that when it comes out of the hammer forge. Yeah. Here, um, what we call forge to contour. Uh, so you're not just hammering the steel out and then milling it down to where you want it. Uh, that thing is guaranteed to be within one one thou uh, straightness from chamber to the tip of the muzzle. That's awesome. I love and it. If it isn't, it literally gets chunked in the scrap bin. They don't even try and rework them. That's for every barrel we make. Hmm. We've had manufacturers come in here and see some of the barrels that we're scrapping, and they're like, that's better than the best barrel I'm going to put on my product, <laughs> or I can put on my product. And we're going to hit it with a chop saw yeah. and throw it in a mixture. Yeah. Well, that was, we, that was the thing, too, when we were going through there. I was seeing your dump bins, and I was like, what's wrong with that? I was like, yep. what's wrong with that? I was like, don't throw it away. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys actually recycle your stuff too, so that's yeah, yeah. Every every bit of steel and aluminum, all the shavings from the CNCs, 
uh, that all goes back to a recycler. Uh, it's it's not cheap stuff. Uh, the steel we use is not, you know, you can't go to Lowe's and buy the steel we're, we're putting into these guns. So uh, some of the steel takes us years to get, actually, because it's such a proprietary blend. And you get that, is that in America here, or do you get that from overseas? I'd say most of it's American. There's a handful of the steels that we can only get overseas. The biggest thing that actually people don't think about uh, is the mandrel for the hammer forge. Yeah. Yeah, it comes from Germany. Gotcha. It costs about seven to $8,000 for a little piece of metal that's about this long. <laughs> no bigger than my pinky finger. Now, those machines that you guys have, I and mean, you've got hundreds of millions of dollars into those those CNC machines that you guys have there. The two, the, the two that have in the facility that you saw, those are two, two million pop. God. Two million pop. <laughs> yeah, and I was just, just sitting there. That's paying the, for the person. It takes, I think, what, almost another mil just for train-up? Yeah. It, it's it's expensive just to train an operator to run that machine. Yeah, and he was telling me that there are a couple of uh, machines there that you only have, like, two people that, mm-hmm. you know, can operate them at this, at this point in time. I was like, whew. Well, I promise you, Marty Daniel takes very good care of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, Fred Frank, Frank Frank was saying. Yeah. He's like, he said, those guys right there do pretty well. <laughs> yeah. We've got a whole team of in-house tool makers. You know, you, you can't buy fixturing off the shelf to, to hold yeah. our parts the way we want. So there's a whole section of the floor that just make those guys tools. make everything from the racks that hold the guns all the way to the chuck that's holding your upper receiver in the CNC. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's things that people don't really talk about or think about, you know, when they're, when they get their gun, you know, or the actual, what it takes to make this gun. And, you know, they'll start bitching and moaning about prices, but, you know, going through that factory and seeing everything that they go through and, you know, the machines that make them, it's like, I don't see how you're in business. <laughs> you know, you should we, charge more. You <laughs> pay a lot of money, but if you want quality, you got to pay for quality. So that's true. And let's talk about your ARs now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah. since you don't do AKs, we'll talk about your ARs. <laughs> <laughs> An American firearm? No, I'm joking. Oh, it's becoming more and more American. Yeah, uh, it is. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that's something at SHOT Show that you guys... So you go ahead and just bring out the big... The haymaker. <laughs> this is the one everyone likes seeing. So this is our unicorn. It's got uh, the grenade launcher on it. Nice. That is the GLSSC. Uh, so there was 125 there you of go. these roll systems made. Uh, we sent 100 of them to the very specific unit that ordered them. Uh, we kept... One of them and 24 were sold on the civilian market. Uh, so, yeah, if you ever find one of these, it uh, stands for Grenade Launcher Sound Suppressor Capable. So uh, this is actually a 12 and a half inch barrel. You grab that SOCOM. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was a, a the shortest rail we could get them to still run an M203. This is free floated. That's part of what makes the RIS-2 rail uh, what it is and why it was the contract winner. Uh, is that this barrel with this M203 on it is still completely free-floated. That means from the barrel nut forward, nothing is touching this barrel. Uh, But you can still get the same gap in your suppressor 
with this reel. So nice. If you find one of these, call me. I'll buy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Six grand because yeah, they're but, ridiculously expensive. No, so now. for lack of a better term, you know, ARs are, are our bread and butter. Our, our bolt gun is doing great, but what what made this company is the RIS two rail uh, and our AR pattern guns. I mean, we we make really really nice ars that yeah. are gonna work uh so all mil spec like jason said all from forgings um this is not a great example because it's uh not our it's a unicorn idea. yeah not it's your everyday unicorn. joe's gonna get one of those yeah everybody wants to see the the glss but that no i appreciate you showing that that's that's awesome but yeah i mean the so, big brother to the guy he's just holding. Something that is commercially available would be our M4A1, mm-hmm. right? So 14 and a half inch carbine length gas, uh, pinned and welded muzzle device on there. It's going to have that M4A1 RIS 2 rail. Um, this is something other than the fact that this lower doesn't rotate one more time. Um, this is pretty much exactly what SOCOM's getting uh, still to this day. Um, so this is, and we talked about the history of the company. Now, Marty, when he made the bid, when he created this rail system, um, SOCOM said they wanted it, but he didn't have the credit limit to, you know, get the contract. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And his family legitimately put the family farm up as collateral to raise his credit limit and get him what he needed. So they literally bet the farm. Literally bet the farm. (laughs) I love it. And they won the contract. And it's an... It's an IDIQ. We are still shipping to this day these rail systems and these whole uppers uh, to SOCOM and Crane and, and everybody else, our barrels, our gas blocks. Uh, it was the it was really what launched us from, you know, a, a cool company that made a really good, you know, accessories and things like that into what we are now. Yeah. Uh, but from yeah. a garage business to a legit corporation. So. Firearms that keep yeah, it's like myself safe overseas because I used an M4A1. Yeah, and we're going to talk about your backgrounds coming up. We're going to yeah, do that. Oh no, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you're not getting out of the new guy questions. <laughs> now, just just like the Delta Five Pro, you know, all of our AR barrels are going to be cold hammer forged. Um, all but the Mark Twelve are also going to be chrome lined. Uh, we offer them anywhere from ten point three inches all the way out to an eighteen inch uh, for five five six. Now, we've got the PDW that we had up here. That's been our, our hot little 300 blackout, little 7-inch barrel. Um, that one's that one's fun. If you got a can, that that's a fun rifle. Oh, yeah. I love 300 blackout. That's my round. That's my jam. I dig it. So, that the uh, is that the one that you guys started with, that Marty started with, was the, the M4A1? It that, was the actual rail that was on that rifle. Just that rail system. So, we didn't make our first gun until 2009. Uh, a, a full firearm. Yeah. Uh, you have a V1 over there? Yeah. So uh, so if you guys aren't aren't on the video yet, you got to go to the video because this is like the best gun porn <laughs> episode I've ever done. I love this. Yeah. So, so this was the first version of a DD rifle. In fact, this is one of the first rifles that were created. Yeah, the newer rail. But, yeah. It's got one of the newer rails on it, but it was a 16-inch barrel rifle with a front sight base, which is actually a DD front sight base. It replaced the old... SB A2s. So now I don't know if you can see it. I'll kind of move it here. It's got like more of a scallop cut. Yeah. Because in the past, a lot, of guys, a lot of guys held this gun. They would rest their thumb on that front sight base. Yeah. It gives you more of a texture other than that flat ridge yeah. to work with. And it kind of bevels in with your thumb as well. Yeah. I'll so, see yeah. that. I like that. 
Are they still yeah. making those? Are you guys still making those? We are. we are. We're still making the V1. So, you know, when they first came out, it was it was our barrels and our rails and things like that. But it had, you know, an A2 pistol grip and a, a Magpul stock on it. Um, we've since started, you know, we've got all of our own furniture, that rubber over molded furniture. Some yeah. guys like it. Some guys don't. I personally like it. I, I don't run our pistol grips because my hands, it doesn't fit right. I love our stocks because I don't have a beard. Uh, I can't grow one. <laughs> Sorry to myself over here. <laughs> but no, so now you know, hey, we're Nate. still making the V1. Hey, Nate, check it out. I know. Look, again, I was a fireman. They only let me grow a mustache, and I can't grow that either. So. <laughs> well, you're only like 12, so I, you still got I'm, some growing I mean, to do. I'm 12 with 74-year-old knees, yeah. Oh, welcome to the club, brother. Hips. Yeah. I got 80-year-old hips. <laughs> So the uh, the the DDM um, is that that's the designation for your ARs, right? The DDMs. DDM four is going to be our five five six three hundred blackout, and we do make a six eight SPC hunter. Uh, it's more of a hunting cartridge. We don't sell a ton of them. That's more of a niche gun. But yeah, yeah DDM four is going to be our our small frame AR fifteens. DD five is going to be our large caliber. So three oh eight six five Creed more. 260 Remington uh, in a gas gun, 16, 18, and 20 inch barrels. So nice. those are. And then you get into the V's. So what are. Yep. So, so DD. V1. Yeah. V1, front sight base, Picatinny rail. Uh, you've got. Right now, we're not making the V11, was our key mod rail. Uh, that's been discontinued. Uh, so now you've got our single most popular is going to be just a V7, which uh, we've got. Quite a handful yeah. of them sitting I mean, in here. Yeah, I want to see a V7 because that's what you guys are kind of featuring these days. <laughs> Is that the most recent version that you've got, the V7, the newest? Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, of our full-size rifles. You know, the PDW is kind of a separate standalone family. Um, a lot of people don't understand from buttstock to the receiver, it's pretty much all going to be the same gun. Okay. It's going to have our ambidextrous grip and rip charging handle. Uh, it's going to have our ambi safety on it. Uh, it's going to have our furniture. What really makes the difference when we start talking about V, you know, V1, V7, V9, V11, it's going to be your rail system and your barrel length and gas system length. Um, V7 are all going to have M-Lock. V9 is going to be Picatinny. Uh, the V11s, again, were all key mod. Uh, V1 was the Picatinny with the front sight base. Yeah, uh, That's one of the things that does get confusing. You know, I worked in a gun shop for, for a while there, and guys would be like, okay, what? It's a, a V7239. I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to have to break this one down, Barney. You know, <laughs> um, you know but you know, they're, they're all going to have our cold hammer forged barrels in them. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they've been uh, pretty awesome. But, yeah, this V7 is our single most popular rifle that we make still are you know just killing it so yeah. right behind that would be that m4a1 we showed yeah um, a little bit different use case so you guys you guys aren't selling lowers nope. uh but you're but you sell uppers so i'm assuming that any standard mill spec lower you're going to be able to pop your your uppers on on 100 percent. Right. yeah 100 percent. so um that's been a point of contention uh, i work here and i can't even buy a, a dd nope. lower so uh we're not special, but there, there is a reason behind it. Um, and part of that is that warranty we talked about. Uh -huh. So 
Marty Daniel never wanted his name on something that he didn't really control how it was built. Um, and then if you threw a strip lower out there and somebody blows it up at the range, well, was it our gun or was it one he built and blew up? Do we warranty that or not? Yeah. Um, so he made the decision not to, and, and as much as I hate it. No, I, so you can either I, have I, a, a half Daniel defense or you can have a whole de Daniel defense. There's, 100%. You, you can have a one-tenth Daniel defense. Uh, you uh, you yeah. can throw our, our pistol grip on there. Well, yeah. I'm just talking about as far as, yeah. you know, yeah. if I wanted to build a Daniel defense rifle myself, then the best I can do is an upper, everything but the lower receiver, basically. Yep. I, I can't. I wouldn't be able to just, do that. You can't get that nice DD roll mark on there. So talk about talk about your your receivers. Talk about your lower receivers. Is there anything special or different that you guys are doing with your lower receivers that you can talk about? So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, they're they're a mil spec low. Um, now, there's a couple of small things. Um, some of our guns now, uh, depending on on which one you're getting and what parts we have available. I mean, we've got something like our improved mag catch there. Um, yeah. A lot more surface area. Let you send your bolt home when you go, you know, run empty. Uh, you're going to have a flared magwell. I know it's hard to pick up on camera, but you've got a nice bevel in your magwell. That's it lets it. you help, you know, helps you out loading, uh, reloading on an empty mag a little quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, again, other than that, it's going to have just, you know, standard ambi safety. Let me see the uh, front of the magwell. So it's just going to be a standard standard magwell. Right? Okay, I thought I saw serrations there for a second, but yeah, you got a flared. Yep. Yeah, you can see the flare uh, real good there. I like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, it's but that it's not really that mat or the um, the bolt drop. You can you can buy that and put it on any mil spec lower, right? Or do you guys sell that? We don't sell that as a standalone bolt drop. No. So that, okay. there's there's some stuff we don't sell as a uh, an individual item. You know, you're talking about uppers. You can't buy this PDW as just an upper. Uh, now, part of the reason for that is this gun is actually built with this Maxim Defense stock or brace if you were to get the pistol variant. Yeah. Uh, we built and tuned that gun with this buffer system. You know, it is a Maxim system. So we couldn't guarantee that it would run with if somebody you put it else's on buffer. Yeah. yeah. If gotcha. we can't if we can't prove it through testing, we don't sell it in that that way. We don't like putting our name on it. Or Marty doesn't like putting his yeah. name on it, I should say. <laughs> well, you are Daniel Defend. I mean, it's the people that make up the company, and I'm sure Marty would agree with that too. Marty, yeah. He he has cultivated a really, really awesome group of folks out here that, that work here. I'm again if you I'm do say so yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. I think they're uh, too degenerates over here. But, no, I mean, no yeah, one, how did they no give you clearance to do this show anyway? Huh? I've hung out with you guys. Hey, now. It's because we're that good. Yeah. You're just that down. You are good. You guys know your shit, and uh, it, it definitely shows. So is there anything else that, that we can talk about um, that you guys have? Anything new uh, other than what we've already talked about that – I know you got some things coming down the road, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if Jan you can you can hint January towards that. January is going to be a busy month uh, for new product, you know, and I think Jake or Amy uh, touched <laughs> on it. You know, we're, we really have have done a lot of stuff for the Delta Five Pro uh, platform, uh, but we are not 
we're not forgetting about our ARs uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of I guess the best way there's a lot of really really cool stuff that should be coming out in the coming few months. Yeah. Uh, for every one of our platforms, um, and even some potential new platforms. Nice. Uh, that nice. that you know. Marty, you know what we're talking about. So. I, I know what you're talking about. I definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> you have seen. And, but, uh, and I know that our listeners are going to be very excited about that. Um, yeah. So, but we'll talk about that when it comes out. There's a lot of stuff coming. You know, again, we're talking about the just the volume of people here. I mean, there is an entire department that all they do all day is come up with cool ideas for a new something, yeah. whether it's a new part or an entire new gun. Uh, and they... Take it from a thought to a prototype to hey, let's test it. And see. Or maybe a new piece of apparel that one of our lucky listeners is going to maybe be yes. able to get several, uh, or maybe one. I mean, depending on the price, you're going to have 250 bones to be able to spend in their on their web store leadheads. Um, so, before we get to our listener questions, I want to hit you guys with the new guy, new guy, new guy, and sometimes a girl. Questions. Questions. If your name's Amy Winehouse. <laughs> Jake. I don't think I hit Jake with these questions. I can't remember. I don't think I did. I might hit him with one or two. But uh, So we do this thing whenever there's a new guest on the show who's never been on before. We like to get to know you a little bit better. And we do it through some just quick... And you guys haven't prepared for these. You don't know what the questions are going to be. Maybe unless you listen to some previous episodes. But I've added a few too. So okay. I'm, I'm going to catch you off guard. Say. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've kind of alluded and talked about it a little bit, but um, you've got some military, some first responder uh, backgrounds between the two of you, firefighter, EMT. Um, if you want to talk about your other, you can, Nate. I'll leave that up to you. Um, <laughs> so Army Ranger, Jason, uh, talk about how you got um, into the military. Uh, so ironically, I come from a military family background, uh, grandfather's fault in World War II. I actually had two great uncles on my grandmother's side. Her two brothers were German military fighters during World War II. So they fought for Germany. The family originated from that era. They moved over during that time frame. So, uh, got really big into shooting as a kid. My great uncle and my uncle were both Marines. Uh, one was in the Pacific, came back parents decided they were going to have another kid after he was long gone out of the house. And uh, most people don't know, but uh, Major Edward Lamb uh, wrote Marine, Marine Corps Scout Sniper Doctrine. Yep, relative. Uh, learned a lot at shoot. Kind of got a little bit of slack for not joining the Marine Corps and being a sniper <laughs> there. Uh, took. I was like, well, I guess, you know, I was burnt out in high school. Kind of like I was one of those kids that was really good with grades. Dad pushed real hard on it. Mm -hmm. He never graduated, but very humble man, kind of like Nate's grandfather, worked off, worked his butt off, show, gave me the best life I could ever have as a kid. And I 100% respect him, and he'll be my hero for it for the rest of my life. And I try to project that towards my kid, side note. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, so, I yeah, I joined the military, um, went in the Army instead. Uh, the recruiter that I talked to was a former 375, so 3rd Battalion. 75th Range Regiment guy. He's like, hey, man, if you're going to join, Ranger's the way to go. It's a good stepping stone into the military, especially because it's special operations. Right. So he gave me an option 40 contract. Found myself, once I was in the military, went through basic, went through airborne school, 
went to RASP. I actually went to the RASP class where it had transitioned right from RIP to RASP. It used to be the Ranger Indoctrination Program. Program. The problem was was they was about a four week program where they just basically beat you down, and just to see if they basically weeded out weakness. Yeah. If you couldn't hang, you couldn't hang. So they started realizing, okay, our mission sets are starting to get a lot more ramped up and a lot more technical. And we're sending these guys into these battalions that have no knowledge of our SOPs whatsoever. So they created RAS, Ranger Assessment Selection Pro Program, and it became an eight-week course. Depending on the time frame, I got unlucky, caught there in the like Thanksgiving break. And the transition. Yeah, so uh, I got eight weeks of what RIP, you, what was RIP, now it was RASP. But in that time frame, you learn you know, firearm tactics, demolitions, combatives, you know, the tactics in which you're going to use when you get to your unit. Uh, graduated, went straight to 1st Range Battalion, 7th Range Regiment here in Savannah, Georgia, 2011, and then uh, started deploying. I spent four years on the line, made it all the way up to team leader, E5, and then transitioned over to the sniper section. And I spent the last six years of my career there as a, or sorry, not six, last four years. I keep counting in some contracting stuff afterwards yeah did a little contracting uh, I spent the last four years there as a sniper uh went got to go to quite a few awesome schools for that and, you know i was a ranger school graduate not to confuse ranger school and rasp there are two rangers a lot of people don't understand that ranger school it gives you a ranger tab and you're ranger qualified you actually have to go through a selection to become a special operations ranger so it's kind of a, a sore subject for some of us guys as Nate's over here laughing, because <laughs> a lot of people we'll get like to you. those rangers, and, we'll and get it's to like, you. no man, you're ranger qualified. You weren't really a ranger. It's a it's a prestige thing. Uh, very small knit community. Uh, once I got out, I had a decision to make. I was getting real close to that ten year mark, and usually in the military, if anybody's ever served, you're you're at that moment where it's either do I transition to do something else in life, or do I just ride my time out and retire in the military? Well. The wars had kind of started, the war kind of started dying down. I was kind of in, not, I wouldn't say the heyday, but I was still in there where it was good and the good fighting was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I transitioned out and decided to do some federal contracting. We're going to, you know, leave it at that. You all leave it up to your imagination. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Security detail? Uh, <laughs> if, yeah, I, so, something, something like, like that. Something, something like that. that. Uh, I'll put it this way. Have you ever seen the movie 13 Hours? That was, that was the job. Yeah. Obviously, that's worst case scenario, and thankfully, I never had to experience it in that worst case scenario. Yeah, but there were a few sketchy moments in life where I was like, "Ooh, this might be it, boys." But you ever met any of those it. guys? Uh, yeah, I did. I met uh, Tonto. Yeah, guy that Chris. Portrayed, uh, had, he, yeah, Chris. He's been on the show a couple he, times. Yeah, he's a good guy. Like him. Yeah, he is. Obviously, I got to meet him. He's a ranger, so. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he's a um, nut. Have, have, have a lot of respect for those guys. Back to that whole hero thing. They did something they didn't have to do, and they they caught a lot of slack from it. The movie kind of depicts that. Yeah. Um, that situation that isn't just a movieism. They did catch a lot of slack, but they took it up and they're like, "Hey, no, we're not just going to stand by and let Americans lose their lives. So we're going to we're going to step up." So I give Absolutely. a lot of those guys respect for that. Yeah. And then uh yeah, so I left. Uh, main reason uh just kind of family reasons really kind of got in a little bit of a. An injury kind of stopped me from being able to deploy out with the guys. And then my kids started getting older. At this time, he had already turned three. was kind of getting ready to turn four, started having more conversations with me. He made that transition from being all about mama mm -hmm. to daddy. And I was like, okay, 
I need to, I've been doing this for roughly 11, almost 12 years now. I need to really reconsider what I'm doing with my life because I want to be a part of his life. And so, uh, our director of commercial sales here, Jim Ross, great guy, former Ranger is himself. Yeah. I was like, Hey man, you want to come work at DD? I was like, dude, that's actually a really cool offer. Yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever I need to to interview. Oh, and yeah. Do it. So I was like, man, the, the same gun that I've been using since basically 2010 all the way through contracting and has kept me out of some sticky situations. And now I get to work for that company. Company, so yeah. Really like, Help real protect moment. your life and others. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I'm at now. I was gonna ask of those years that you served, how many of those did you use the the DD from day one? I did M four A one, and then we transitioned to the Mark eighteen uppers, the ten point threes. We called them shorties just because it was easy that way. Yeah, but yeah, yep. Always used the DD. I mean, we had cold lowers for some. We started transitioning. We started phasing those cold lowers out, yeah, and going to full DD rifles. But yeah, we all I always had. Do you use it in contracting too? I used a full on DD Mark eighteen when I was contracting. In contracting, nice. Yep. Do you, and I obviously you still have that. Uh, no, they were company. Oh, they were. Yeah. They didn't. I do. I do own quite a few. Oh, I'm DD sure. As, so does Nate. <laughs> so. And I bought those prior to actually working. I bought a few things since working for DD. Yeah, but. I do have my own personal guns that I've bought in the past. So it'd be cool if you still had that, you know, the one that you, I, I still have a few things where we'll, we'll keep that up. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shh. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so Nate, how, how detailed do you want to get with yours? You want to stick with the fire firefighter? We'll, we'll throw it all in there. Man. All right, let's do it, man. I like it. Do no it holds here. barred, baby. Yeah, so uh, prior to coming to Daniel Defense, I was a firefighter EMT uh, for 12 years, worked for a couple of different departments. Uh, my most recent was about eight years with the Athens-Clark County Fire Department in Athens, Georgia. Uh, we went to every UGA game, so that was not fun at all. Um, but uh, had, a, had a great time with those guys, you know, if, a really good department, uh, made it up to corporal there, uh, full-time driver for the most part, you know. Tons of fun that way. Um, There's a lot more medical, uh, but I actually got into firefighting back in college because uh, I ran out of Hope Scholarship money and had to get a job. That's well, damn no Hope Scholarship. That's a lottery, isn't it? Yep. The lottery so, money. Uh, you have to keep your grades up above a certain percent. <laughs> what you're saying is you were slacking. Hundred uh, percent. The partying but, caught up to you. Hey, man, I, I feel you. My first three years of college. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. <sighs> but no, I uh, I started as a volunteer in college. Really fell in love with it. You know that that sense of service. Um, I had intended on enlisting in the Marine Corps right out of college. Again, following my grandfather's footsteps. My mother quickly told me that she would kill me and disown me uh, if I didn't go to college. So uh, I did the next best thing and became a fireman. There you go. And then uh, actually had the opportunity uh, just during my sophomore year and did the officer candidate program for the Marine Corps. Uh, so I went to Quantico, did did that shebang. Uh, oh, that's a great experience though, man. It was great. Getting to uh, go to Quantico. Biggest regret is is not taking that commission, uh, but it has brought me to where I am today. I've got a, a wonderful wife. I got two little girls. I'm, I'm I can't complain. You're set. Uh, but it, is, it is a regret. Uh, but in typical Marine Corps fashion, I got out of college and young, dumb, and in love, and 
she said, no, please don't go. And I said, okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm not married to her. So, yeah. Uh, you know. You're not married happens. to her. That's. No. Never but, mind. Uh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but yeah. So, did, did the firefighter EMT thing for, you know, again, 12 years. Uh, like most firemen had a, a side job because you need two jobs when you work for a fire department. Uh, and I ended up working at a gun shop out of Athens, Georgia, uh, Clyde Armory. It's actually one of the larger DD dealers. Uh, nice. And I got to come out here uh, as an employee of that gun shop and do what we call uh, Daniel Defense University, uh, where we take in retailers from all across the country and train their sales associates on our product. We put them through an armorer's course. They, they get to meet everybody. You know, they've all got our cell phone numbers. If you got a customer that's got a question, you know, call us. We'll, we'll help. So, I got to know Jim Ross and these guys here, uh, and about a year after that, kind of the same to Jason, he called me and he said, "Hey man, um, I have a sales spot open. You wanna you wanna leave the fire department and come work for me?" Uh, and about two weeks later, I packed up my truck and moved down to Savannah while my wife and kid were there to sell the house. So there you yeah. go. Probably got more for it since you weren't there. <laughs> I, probably it was well. No, I'm the clean one, man. The toddlers. Tornadoes. Is that what it is? (laughs) Very good. So uh, great background stories there. Love that. So in your your time of service, both of you, and thank you for your service, both of you, um, sincerely mean that. Tell, tell, pick one story that comes to mind that, you know, just a good funny story. We don't want to get into the gory, you know, gory stuff. I'll I'll start with mine because it's a funny one at me. Um, and okay. if anyone's in public safety, they'll cringe, laugh, and then cry a little. Yeah. Uh, but because with that many driver, years of service, man, I mean, you've seen you've seen some stuff. So you know, both let's do the fun stuff. We'll do the fun. Let's stuff. Let's do fun stuff. The, yeah, and that's what I mean. Brain, yeah, the bad brain movies. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to. Maybe uh, some jack yeah, wagon so, stories or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, uh, I, so I was, I, I can't believe it story kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, this was an, I can't believe this happened to me story. Uh, so I was driving one of our rescue trucks one night, uh, got a call to one far end of the County and I had a junior firefighter riding with me. It was just us two. We got a call right after that to the opposite end of the County. Uh, it was a bit of a tote. Uh, it is about three o'clock in the morning and I made the wrong turn off the exit of the highway wrong turn Clyde yeah so <laughs> as a driver that's you know uh-oh number one yeah. but I'm, I'm like okay let's get back on the right road here so as I'm on the crossroad trying to get back to the right road where no one would ever know I made a wrong turn and you know just shame on me and you're driving one of those big giant uh, this was so our rescue Fire truck. Was, uh, it was like a Chevy Kodiak fifty five hundred with a big old, almost like a utility box on the back. Yeah. It had all the the jaws of life, as people call it, and medical gear and stuff. But yeah, anyway, still a big I mean, big rig, you know. Trying to turn around, vehicle. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I made about halfway through the the cut through road, <laughs> and the fan went through the radiator, and <laughs> I broke the truck and had to go on the radio. And tell them that I was broken down on the wrong road, uh, <laughs> and they had to come tow me and get someone else to go on the call. So that was fun. That was real fun. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. I didn't hear about that one at all for the next couple of years. No. Did you get a nickname from that? No, but they uh they started putting, you know, like the coloring book maps and they had the little kids map that you put matchbox cars on. They taped that to my windshield of my truck one yeah. day and told me to study the the streets. So, you know, good times. <laughs> dig it. Jason's over there like, mm, how do I top that one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can top that one. I don't know if I'm going to pull one on myself or talk about somebody else. Um, <laughs> it's so hard because when you get thrown on the spot, you're like, oh, man, I can't think of anything. But if you're just sitting here having casual conversations. Oh, I know. Yeah. Rambling them off. Um, we used to do this. We Ranger battalions, they do this thing called Ranger Rendezvous. And it's where if a battalion, all the battalions come together to have a change of command ceremony for the regimental commander and sergeant major. So, you know, they're the two highest in the regiment. So, and it's usually like a week long event. They have all kinds of different like sports and games, like there's soccer, football, uh, there's MMA fighting, wrestling, stuff like that. You know, it's just a battalion against battalion kind of thing. Camaraderie. Build. Yeah. They bring in, you know, outside vendors do like shows and, they test your abilities and skills and your NCO duties and your ranger abilities or skill sets. And of course, every night all the dudes are getting together because you've got friends all across the country that are right. in these battalions that you went through RASP with, or you've stayed in contact with the whole time. And they, we were staying on Fort Benning. We had gone downtown. We had hit Scruffy Murphy's in Columbus, Georgia, Cannon Brew Pub. And this was when I was in the sniper section and we get back and our, at the time, our platoon sergeant, he was kind of a, he was an old school gray beard sort of guy. Didn't obviously have a beard because, you know, I have to stay clean shaven. Um, could get really grouchy sometimes. Yeah. Not a, you know, he's just one of those guys. And the first thing he tells us when we leave, he's like, you better make formation in the morning and do not wake me up when you come in. Right. So we're coming up. We have this guy that's with us. I'm not going to say his name. And we're all just, we're wasted. Like, yeah. I don't even know how we made it up the four flights of stairs into the building to get to a, the rooms we're staying in. And he's like, dude, I have to take a piss. And we're like, just hold it. We're almost there. And you know how it is. If you've been drunk, if you got to piss, you got to piss. Oh yeah. So we're sitting there. We're trying to get up these flights of stairs. And we got to keep going through these double doors and these double doors. Well, some people had blocked the doors because they were having hallway parties. Yeah. And they don't want anybody to obstruct them. Right. So we make it up to the fourth floor. We're standing there. And then this guy just disappears. And we're like, holy crap. Where'd he go? Like, he's got a piss. So in the bathroom is on the other end of this hallway because oh, we're in a, a barracks building. <laughs> so we're like, where did he go? There's no way in the world in the 10 seconds that we turned around that he made it to the bathroom. All of, all of a sudden, you just hear this loud, like, what the F are you doing? And it's not like a, a yell. It's just like one of those like terrifying, like stern voices. This, yeah. this guy, literally, you can hear him the hallway turns around and looks at our platoon sergeant the guy that literally told us hey make sure you make formation don't wake don't me wake up. me up is he's pee he's pissing in his locker the platoon sergeant's locker where all his gear is <laughs> and his helmet that he has and he's like i'm peeing in the urinal sergeant like uh, what he's like why are you sleeping in the bathroom and he's like dude this is my room and oh he wound up God. pissing all over that dude's equipment so obviously he uh we didn't leave him alone for a few days afterwards. Yeah, he was in a little bit of trouble, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's always a, a good funny one for me. I'm like, man, that could have been any of us, but thank God it was you and not right? me. Right, yeah. All right, so this next question. 
What's your earliest recollection of shooting a firearm? Grandfather. So my grandpa talking about Holland Hitch. Scooch in a little closer. Y'all are like somebody fart or something? No, it's not <laughs> hot in here. There's no AC in the room. Oh, shit. Sorry. No, that's not that bad. It's just trying to keep a little space. Yeah, my that company, Holland Hitch, ended up uh, at one point having a sportsman's lodge uh, that my grandfather helped them build. So it was, you know, 30,000 acres out in South Carolina, skeet stands, hunting, everything. Nice. Well, from the time I can remember, we'd go out there. Uh, and I remember vividly being, I don't know, probably seven. Uh, and he said, you know, hey, come here. Yes, sir. Handed me a 12 gauge, sat me down and sent the thrower and threw a clay up. And I missed terribly. But uh, from then on, it was, you know, that's our thing. Did you hold on to it, though? You didn't drop it? He was, uh, I mean, I'm little as is. Yeah. I didn't drop it. He's helping it, it you about, a little bit. Yeah, it about dropped me. Yeah, uh, starting you off with a twelve gauge. Damn. Well, it, he was yeah, real big on the uh, you learn stuff the hard way, right? Yeah. That's how I learned. So Start it, big. Yep. Yeah. So, but no, always grew up shooting with him, and uh, we still to this day when I go visit him, the first thing he does is makes me go downstairs to his gun vault and oil and clean his uh, M1 Garand. So nice. Yeah. Very nice. Every time. I bet he's got a nice collection. Just a few. Yeah. But you, Jason? I probably seven or eight. Um, at that time, a lot of my buddies had like the old school Red Rider BB guns back oh, yeah. when they were actually good. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't those little like whatever we got nowadays. I wanted a BB gun. For some reason, my grandfather and dad thought it would be a great idea to start me off with a 1903 Springfield. Okay. So, well, Again, yeah, go I, big, right? <laughs> I, I was wanting a BB gun to, you're going to shoot this full-size 30-06 rifle, and not only are you going to shoot it, before you can shoot anything else, you got to shoot a milk jug at 100 yards. So, obviously, it took me a couple years to dial that in, and I got to shoot other guns in between. So, there. was that like just, a prerequisite before they would get you a BB gun, is you had to hit this milk jug? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was like, you're going to learn how to shoot. Like, you're not just going to get a gun and have a gun. You know, you're going like to know how to use Earn it. Gun. You got to earn it. So I remember the I like first that. time I shot that 1903, I was sitting on a milk crate because we had abundance of milk crates for some reason. Apparently shooting and milk was, jugs and like, crates. I had, I had a little tub or like a little table. It was it actually was like one of those old steel tubs Yeah, that was stacked up on. I don't know what I don't remember what it was stacked on. And I was resting the gun on it. And I remember pulling the trigger, holding onto the gun and literally just falling over from recoil. <laughs> it just like just threw my little butt clean off that crate basically. And they just died laughing. And did you hit the yeah. milk jug? No, I did not. Oh, so wh- when it did you finally me, get? Me, I think like four or five months. I finally got it. And the, ironically, I probably couldn't pull the shot off again if I wanted to. I shot in between the handle and the jug itself, oh, wow. and I skimmed just the I skimmed the jug, but they counted it as a hit. So I was like, "Yes, I could get my BB gun." <laughs> and did and I showed my dad? Yeah, literally the next day we went to. We, I remember going to Walmart. Nice. Now, do you still have that Red Rider? I do. You're gonna. I'm afraid to give it to my kid though, because like I said, it's not the Red Rider that we use today. So yeah. I, I don't have mine. Uh, I don't know how I still have it. To be honest with you, as many times as I've moved and. We've had our house broken into when I was a kid and I had guns stolen and somehow I managed to get them back. I don't know how. Uh, 
but that that bb gun is a it's been a constant in my life it's an heirloom yeah yeah it's a family heirloom you pass it down that's awesome i love that I so, even got the three too. What was the very first gun that you bought that you say, you know, I bought this, it's my own, that you bought Weatherby, for yourself? Weatherby Vanguard 270 with a Tasco 3 to 9 by 40 scope on top. You remember that to the nines, but you still have it, don't I, you? I, that is still my dear rifle, and it's still got the scope on it. <laughs> nice, the Tasco. Hey. Look, I bought it for like 200 bucks at a pawn shop when I was 16. My mom had to sign for it with my money. And, uh, yeah, that is still my deer rifle Pride to this and joy. day. Dig I can't it. get rid of it now. No, uh-uh, that's going to be a hand-me-down. It's going to be an heirloom, nope. man. I love that. Um, for me, I'd say the first rifle that I bought, me personally, kind of similar to Nate, I had a 22 I got when I was 16, but I didn't pay for it. You know, I, I paid for it, but... It was a gift to me. I was just sure. the money to the person. Sure. Um, Straw man purchase. Also, I'm just no, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't know I was giving the money for the gun. Yeah. It was like, hey, we're going to get you a gift, but we need this amount of money. So I worked my butt off, got the money, gave it to my parents, and then there Christmas rolled around. I got a 22 rifle. Sweet. So that is I paid for it. but And they, they told me. But uh, the first gun I bought, the day I turned 18 on October 12th, I woke up that morning and drove to Walmart and bought a Savage Axis 308 with that little bitty Bushnell 3 by 9 scope on it. Yeah. And to this day, I have guns in my safe that cost me anywhere from five to $10,000. If I go on a hunting trip, you best believe I'm pulling that 308 out of that, that safe. Does it still have that optic on it? It sure does, and I will not change it. Just like you said, <laughs> I pull it out to zero it before deer yep. season. Even if I don't use it, it still holds zero. It's a it could be a fluke, grace of God, I don't know, and it'll be the gun I pass down to my kid when he gets older. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, Jason was there. We went to my farm probably yep. a month ago. I brought that two seventy out, sent one round of Remington Corelock two seventy, <laughs> hit right in the middle at a hundred. I was <laughs> like, we're good. Put it back in the yep. case. Yep, I shoot that. I was shooting that Winchester. Give it a little rub. That's yep. my baby. That's my baby. That's it. I've actually had that gun stolen twice. And, and you I got it back. Twice, yep. Both times. Uh when we before we moved in to the house, my senior that my dad and them still in now, it got stolen. Uh and then my senior year, I was overseas, came back, got a phone call from the local county sheriff. He's like, Hey, uh, can you meet? We need to talk. And I'm like, no, sir, I cannot. I'm in Savannah, Georgia, and I'm about to actually leave for training. I'm in the military. And he's like, well, we just recovered two of your firearms, and it was a .30-06 and a three oh eight. That three oh eight, which is rare because my dad's old school, so we have a lot of, like, gun cabinets, like the nice glass yeah. case cabinets. And out of all the guns that, that are in those cabinets, I mean, M1 Garands, 1903 Springfields, very nice the over-under shotguns, they still – that 308 and that 30 said. And they just took two. They didn't take everything. They didn't take anything else. Like the case that they had to open to get those two guns. I mean, it just goes to show guns. you that thieves are idiots. Criminals are idiots. Just blew my mind. But yeah, I was fortunate enough to get them back twice. I had to go to the courthouse twice in Brandon, Mississippi. Well, that makes them games. that makes them even more special. I've never even shot that 30 out six, actually. Maybe <laughs> <Yeah>, not. <laughs> Sitting in the safe right now. I gave it to a buddy. He took it to Vermont. Killed a nice white tail with it. Other than that, never shot it. 
Well, it has been proven, though. So that's good. Yeah, it's been proven. It's been tested and proven. All right, when it comes to pop culture, what Uh-oh. is your what is your go-to? And typically, I leave it like gun-related, but it could be just what do you got, What do you like to do just to kick back and relax? What's your go-to, whether it's a movie, TV show, music, maybe a podcast these days, a YouTube channel or something? What What's your go-to that you like to just kind of your guilty pleasure? It's funny you mentioned the podcast thing because as, as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized I don't watch as much TV as I used to. Like, I don't have cable at my house. I have, like, Hulu and Netflix yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But, Streaming. Uh, I, I listen to more podcasts than I do anything. Uh, but I think it my go-to would be music in my car. Like, hands down, music in my car. I think it's just and your it, car. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, We're yeah. going to talk I, about I, that. And it's it's my son. Like when I'm in when I'm with that car, I've got my son with me. So it's like I'm trying to instill this like discipline or this respect that you should have of the things that you've earned and worked your butt off for. I don't yeah. want to be one of those people that are that's just like entitled, oh, yeah, whatever, entitled kind of shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think music in my car. So what music? What do you listen to? Uh, well, what's your go to jam, man? Go to jam. I listen to metal music, man. All right. Lived li- I lived a life full of chaos, and for some reason, listening to screamo music just kind of calms me down. I, c- I mean, I can go to sleep to it. Are you like headbanging, thrashing music, or oh, yeah, Metallica kind of stuff? Oh, I like Metallica too. Okay, I, I love Metallica. All right, good band, great band. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> well, I'll say I'm, I'm still music, and you know, uh, again, like Jason said, the older I've got, I have gotten way more into podcasts and stuff like that so you know it's it's 45 minutes for me to get to work every morning uh podcast episode 99 percent of the time there is a podcast usually industry related yeah um going in the car the whole time just lets you kind of zone out i know that's real nice to say driving and zoning out that's kind of what music does to me when i listen to music like on a long trip is it it zones me out so that's why i listen to i like listening to like talk radio or podcast or something like that, just or those comedy channels on the the satellite, uh, yeah, kind of stuff. I like, do that from time to time. If it's a long drive, yeah, I'll, I'll start listening to yeah. comedy because the music is what kind of gets me zoned out, you know, because it it got that constant rhythm and you get in that and you're mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I can relate to that definitely. So if you're gonna watch a movie, what movie would you watch? Top Gun, hands down. <laughs> uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Okay. Dig it. So not Wyatt Earp, but Tombstone. Oh, yeah, Tombstone. I got to have... Isn't that weird how those two movies Tombstone. came out about the same time? And they were yep. about the same the same story, but Tombstone just blew it out of the water. Wyatt Earp was oh, good, though. I liked Wyatt Earp, but Tombstone just hands yeah, down. So I've ironically uh, been hanging out with new friends and stuff, and... One of the people I hang out with is like all about post-apocalyptic movies, so like Mad Max, like the old school Mad Max, new school. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to this person, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is." And I was like, "Have you ever seen Waterworld?" <laughs> I was like, "How can you say you have are an apocalyptic aficionado if you've never seen Waterworld?" <laughs> Do you so like Waterworld? Watch- no, not really. But <laughs> it's horrible. It's a horrible <laughs> movie. For some reason, I'm like. What do you? They like literally ripped off Mad Max. It just on the water. water. Mad Max on the water. Yeah. 
I would take Waterworld over. I've got a four-year-old and a seven-month-old, oh. so my entire house is nothing but Paw Patrol. And hey, we do feel sorry Patrol for now. you. Yeah, I we hate do that. Get Paw Patrol. But again, Top Gun, one of my all-time favorite movies. Love that. I was at football camp when I was in high school. We went and watched that. So we got a movie night, and uh, never seen any advertisement for it or any. Didn't even you know the Top Gun. What is this about? And we got in there, I was ready to sign up. I wanted to be a naval <laughs> aviator, baby. Yep. I was ready to go. And that's, you know, that's that's what I had in mind from that point forward that I wanted to do. But they wouldn't take me because I didn't have twenty twenty vision without correction. And at the time, you know, that was they were very selective. So I was like, fuck it, if I can't do that, I don't want to do anything. So I <laughs> went to college and got my aerospace degree. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so we talk about movies, um, your music, your cars. So we, let's just go ahead and get it over because I want to talk about this car <laughs> before we move on to the next <laughs> questions. Because this is like you know your your lifetime project here. And you, yeah. So so talk about yeah, your Mustang. Yeah. So for those of that are whether are watching or listening, uh, I'm just scooting over here, right? <laughs> Marty, I, they came down for the Big Daddy Unlimited Epic shoot here. And, Is there uh, a Instagram page? Let me go to your Instagram. I can pull up pictures and show our video audience here. But go ahead and do what you're doing. Uh, so I, I decided to drive the Mustang out there just because you know it's one of those cars you don't drive on a daily day basis, and it's not that it's an old school Mustang by any means. It's a 2014 GT, got a Coyote five Gen one five zero in it. Or at least the blocks of Gen One Five O. And and do you want uh, people to know your Instagram page? Are you sure, by all means, let them have it. What? It, no, go ahead, give it. It is uh, Sonic GT underscore S One Ninety Seven. And the reason why the S One Ninety Seven is in there are they're Sonic because my car is blue. Sonic's quick and fast. Car's quick and fast. Or at least I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the bo- the body number for that car or that model number is S One Ninety Seven. So that's a logical. So that's I mean, you put a lot of thought into that, that handle, yeah. that IG handle. So here it is. Uh oh, there's some gun stuff in there. There's some gun stuff in there, but this is the the ride we're talking about here. That Marty had a little bit of a privilege to ride in, I guess, if you want to call it a privilege or the ability. I think, to. I think it was. I would consider it a privilege, definitely, that you would let me in in your ride and scare I've the shit, scare the in. shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super slow, right, Marty? Oh man, I mean, if it was any slower, come on. <laughs> hey, oh, look. that's us in Mammoth last year. Is that Mammoth? Yeah. That's Mammoth. So yeah, I, I it's more car related, but uh, ever since I started working at DD and shooting, I kind of start posting more with the shooting. So a little bit of background on the car. Uh, I want an old school Mustang. I want an old school ninety or uh, sixty eight, sixty nine fastback. Classics, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted a classic. And when I think of American Muscle, you think of, you know, Mustang and Camaro are Charger, right? Well, the Mustangs are are typically a lot easier to get. And I just like the way the old school fastback looks. I mean, I grew up watching Steve McQueen movies, so. Bullet. That that Bullet Mustang, man. I, I loved it. So I looked and looked and looked, saved money, saved money, couldn't find an old school Mustang. I had a motor for it. I had everything. Came across this one. Uh, it was a used car. Guy sold it. Had like 3,000 miles on it. That's where the orange and stuff came from. And uh, it was kind of like, it's unique. 
you know, I'll, I'll take it. I like the Grabber Blue. It's a very specific color to Ford. Yeah. Um, that was an awesome feature by those guys, by the way. It's very hard to get posted. They kind of vet you <laughs> really well. They actually sent somebody out to, like, look at the car. He's talking about this Mustangs and fast yeah, Fords? Fords. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm not going to settle, but I do still want a Mustang. So I bought 2014 GT, right? Well, I was like, well, I'm not going to keep it stock. I want a fast car. It looks fast. I want it to be fast. Well, I had all this extra money saved up for the old school car because I thought I was going to do a lot of restoration work. Yeah. Well, I got a new car. It doesn't require a lot of restor- or restoration work, right? And um, yeah, a little Mustang, a little Lego there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I get it. Start working on it. I'm an old school Ford motor guy. I, that's what I grew up on. I know how to work on them, carbureted engines, all that good stuff. And um, so I had a learning curve and I was a little intimidated. And I met a neighbor of mine down the road, super huge Ford guy. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Dad worked for Ford Motor Company. Old school mechanic, though, kind of same thing, not very familiar. And he's the one who kind of pushed me over the edge. I was like, well, if I'm going to really get into this, I want to do it myself. I want to have that pride of, hey, I I built this car. Like, I didn't pay somebody to do it. I did it myself. So I started and I, I started doing it. And a, a lot of common mistakes, a younger, we all, all males, I think, are guilty of it in their young teenage years is you get a sports car, you want it to be fast. So yeah. you start throwing a, a, a power adder, supercharger, nitrous, you know, a turbo. Um, and you don't ever do anything else to the car. So then it becomes super unmanageable and uncontrollable. Just because it looks fast and sounds fast doesn't mean it's fast, right? You can't put the power to the ground and why, why have it. Mm-hmm. So I listened to that older generation. So I went in and I changed out the entire suspension, redid all the suspension to myself. Then they were like, well, you know, you need to make sure your axles are strong enough to take that kind of torque and power. You need to make sure your drivetrain will hold <laughs> it's it. One so, thing leads to another. Yeah. So I went through, I, rebuilt the rear end the differential i re i put new axles in it or um i changed the drive shaft out i changed transmission components i actually wound up having to send my transmission out for a second time first time i built it myself second time i had to send it out it's a a stage three bin calmer transmission now it's an it's still an mt82 um trying to keep the car as yeah as as close to possible that it, it came stock with so now it's it's rated. It can hold a lot more horsepower than your your average transmission will hold. Gotcha. Um, so I started doing that. Well, I was like, well, if I'm going to add a power adder, I got to beef up the motor. It's got to be able to withstand it. You know, it's got to be able to survive and take a beating. So that was back when it was in a before I added the pro charger, made it supercharged. So I rebuilt the motor. I replaced the pistons, the build. I replaced the oil pump. You know, the parts that give out the quickest. Yeah. Started started really racing it. Um, Went down to Mod Nationals in Florida, Branton, Florida. Uh, I ran a 9.4 and a quarter with it without a roll cage in the street class. And they were like, hey, huh, guess what? You're barred from the drag strip till you get a roll cage. So I was like, that's awesome. That's like <laughs> one of the biggest like perks this you can have. Like your compliment they could give you, right? Yes. And it's a, it's a full street car. Like I had, I didn't gut anything. I, there still has a rear seat, eat the heat, AC, the water reservoir for the windshield wipers. I mean, it's still got everything in it. So then that fueled the passion even more. And then I met a guy, uh, Chris Merritt, and or yeah, Chris Merritt, and he ran Texas Mile and he had a boss 302. And so that then I was like, oh, I have a now I have a goal. I want to beat 200 
in 60.8 miles per hour. That is the fastest set time by a Mustang in an, in a mile from a dead stop, from a dead standstill to drive through at a mile. The street legal or just any Mustang? Just any Mustang. Okay. doesn't matter if it's street legal or not. Okay. So I, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to gut my car. I'm not going to take anything out. I'm going to make it and keep it as a true street legal car. So then it, I started getting into the serious horsepower ranges. So then I sent the motor off to NPR, had them build it. It's a full-on NPR-built racing engine. Um, it's got the Boss 302 Laguna Sega cylinder heads on it. They're all CNC imported for all our – And I'm sure our, I'm sure our, a lot of our lead heads know what you're talking about. But all this yeah. – I just know this mofo <laughs> is fast. And, <laughs> and So, yeah, I built it. And then I, I had a decision to make at that point. I was like, all right, I've gone about as fast as I can go in A. And I want to beat the Texas mile record, but I can't do it in A. I just can't. So I, I was like, I have to add power adder. So I was like, do I add nitrous? Do I add a turbo? Do I add a pro or do I add some triple super or you know a root style supercharger? It's the one that actually sits on top of the engine. Yeah, the blower replaces, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it replaces your intake. Yeah. Or do I go centrifugal? Well, do it all, man. Do it all. <laughs> so I was looking at the best of all the worlds. I mean, if you have a turbo, you get turbo lag, so you don't get boost right away, right? If you have a root style blower, the one that we're talking about where it sticks up out of the hood, basically, you get boost right away, but it teeters out as you get higher in RPM. Yeah. It kind of maxes out. You get more drag too, don't you? Exactly. So the centrifugal supercharger works like a turbo, but it's still belt driven like a supercharger. And instead of getting boost right off the line where I didn't need it because I needed that traction, I could still build horsepower as I gained an RPM. So I went with this triple supercharger. Well, I ran Texas Mile a couple times, got 238 miles per hour. Uh, I was pushing just a little over 1,200, almost 1,300 to the wheels at that time. Uh, the car in the pictures that you're showing, it has a different setup. Uh I have purposely not posted anything just because until I beat that record, I'm not going to. But I have time slips. If people really want to call me out on it, it's fine. I'll send them to you. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> <Dare>. do that. <laughs> so what you're trying to reach speed-wise, what is your goal on this? So I don't want to just beat the record and get like 261 or 260.9. I want to give it – I want there to be a little bit of a gap there. So I increased horsepower, and we're looking at closer to the 1600 horsepower range. Now, last time I dynoed it, I was a few horsepower shy. Yeah. But with a little bit of tuning, I think I can get there. So my goal is to do about 266 to 268. Wow. <laughs> so I intend to run Texas Ridiculously fast. Uh. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But before I get to that point, it is a sketchy thing to do. And if you make a slight mistake, it you you can end your life very easily. Oh yeah, so I have gotten to the point now where I'm going to put a roll cage in the car. My kid is now forward facing, so if I do drive it street on the street, which for those that are listening, I don't do anything stupid with my kid in the car. I promise. Just the me. Car never goes above seventy <laughs> miles an hour. Um, just me. Just me in the uh, car. He'll he'll do that. Yeah. But now that he's pretty much in a booster seat, I can still keep the car with all the internal stuff in it. And have a roll cage, and it's easier to put him in and out of that booster seat. Yeah, so I can work with that roll cage. So now I'm going to get a roll cage put in it. And so when you go and do these speed runs, you're changing out tires and and other stuff too, because when you're just driving it on the street, you don't need yeah, exactly. all. You know, all I have that. a whole new, I have a whole other setup. Like uh, my bumper, you'll notice that there's like little black inserts in that picture towards the bottom. 
Yeah. All that stuff gets pulled out. I have different accent pieces that I put on there for aerodynamics to keep yeah. the car on the ground. Uh, your valve stem covers, believe it or not, come into play. That centrifugal force moving so fast, if something's off, it can throw your car off. It can slow you down. Um, I have to use like a Bonneville salt flat tire compound. So the tires that you see on the picture right now, mm -hmm. they will actually shred themselves apart before I even get closer to 200 miles an hour. So I have to run separate tires, separate wheels. I have to make sure my tire pressures are just right. Like I'm driving up to the line to do the run and I'm making sure my stuff is being checked. So yeah, I've got more pictures and stuff I need to add on there. I'm not a big social media I want to see it. I want to see it uh, decked out with your uh, racing stuff. All right, I'll have to uh, get it all set up. It's not you. really racing. What do you call it when, you, when you're when you trying to break a – is it still racing? A speed record. I mean, you're setting a speed record at that yeah. point. I mean, you can race it if you want. Once I mean, once I put the roll cage in, I'm going to probably start drag racing it in a quarter mile. Oh, you are? So, okay. Yeah, and it's still a stick shift car for those of you that – you gonna race for pinks? No, because that's the <laughs> day that I lose a race or something bad happens, and I just don't want that juju on me. So I hear you. I hear you. So, so that's cool. Uh, I know we got a lot of leadheads. I that's why I wanted you to tell a story that are into. They're also motorheads, so they're into the the cars, the muscle cars, the speed, you know that kind of stuff. So I thought that they would be interested in hearing that, and I'm interested in it too. I just it's just way over my head. Yeah, I'll say like, what, what what was your experience when you did ride in it? <laughs> what was my experience? <laughs> you scared yeah, the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I'm glad I'm not in the front seat. Because <laughs> yeah, I kind of downplayed it a little bit for you guys. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't. You didn't. You just kind of gave us a taste, a small sampling of. Yeah, that of, was that was about a quarter. And of it was raining year. too, so you couldn't do a yeah. whole lot, you know. Yeah, the roads were wet. I, we we kept it safe. We did. We did. It was fun. I mean, I, I didn't have any doubts that we were going to be fine. It's just, it's that thing goes, it's goes fast so quick. Yeah, it does. You know, before you know it, you're just, you know, you're at a hundred and you're like, Oh, <laughs> I think the coolest feature on the whole car is when it winds up, um, with that centrifugal supercharger, it almost sounds like an old school P 51 diving in. It has that like same whistling sound. Yeah. Pretty cute. You can recall it. Yeah. So it's kind of neat that it's like, hey, an old school I iconic Mustang airplane, and now I have a Mustang that sounds like that airplane. That's kind of cool. I like that. You should maybe put that P51 Mustang on there. I thought about doing that with the blue and orange because now that's how everybody knows that car. Changing up the design from the stripes and going into that like airplane-style layout. That would be awesome. The same color schemes. And, and get the bolts, you know, like the old school yep. big bolts. Yep. Oh, the bolts that, yep. that would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right, so back to the questions, new guy questions. <laughs> <laughs> I drive a lifted diesel truck. Well, there you go. I was going to say, are you into into the into the the speed as well? Uh, no, I wanted a motorcycle forever, but I kept going to motorcycle wrecks when I'd get close to buying one. So, I'm telling uh, you, man, that would definitely change your mind in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, I, I like being above everyone driving the giant diesel pickup. And uh, I'm the same way. I like looking down on people and knowing yeah. that if this gets into an accident, I win. I win every time. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking up in the Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can just go under people in that. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> Be like Clark Griswold in uh, Christmas <laughs> Vacation. Where he gets underneath that semi. Yep. <laughs> 
Another one of my favorite movies. And it's that time of year, so yeah, I'll be is. watching a ton of that. I have not watched it this year, actually, now. I think about I, I got to watch it. We watched Home Alone the other day. Dude, Die Hard is a tradition. Well, yeah. That's yeah. a tradition on Christmas Eve. You're watching Die And Hard. if you don't think that's a Christmas movie, then you're a commie. You're exactly. wrong. And fix yourself. Yep. Yeah. Fix yourself yeah, right I like, now. I have movies that are lined up that I'm going to share with my kids. So, like, the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And it's like... What is it? Uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Jingle All the Way, I think is what it is. You got Turbo, <laughs> Turbo Man. All the way. Oh, my God. That's a horrible movie. <laughs> oh, no. But I keep them back. But then watch Commando. Watch Commando yeah. instead. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Next question is, so we did the, uh, uh, so what is your next gotta have, wanna have, it's on your list um, whether it's a firearm or maybe a piece of kit or an accessory for your firearm, what's the next thing is like, this is, I'm getting this as soon as I get the time or I got I the money. I know exactly what it is. What is it? I'm, I'm torn between running. I run a PBS 14 night vision and I really want duels, but I, oh, that's a good one my PBS 14 works. So it's either duels like PBS 31s or DTMVGs. Yeah. Or a clip-on thermal. Okay. And are you hunting with those? Yes. So at my farm, we've got pigs and coyotes, and we have a huge pig problem. So uh, I can help we, you with that. I, hey, look. I, I got yeah. bullets. We tried. <laughs> yeah. We tried last one over there. But yeah. well, seeing it at night, being able to buy a superpower is a uh, I've got a, a new um, thermal that I haven't been able to take out because we can't use – thermals hunting here in tennessee yeah i know communist nonsense is that i know i don't get it you know it's supposed to be the patron state of shooting shit yeah right (laughs) i love going to tennessee so i i need to come down there and we need to put that thermal it's an accufier it's pretty sweet oh hey that's the one one we had that's the one i was tinkering with not too long ago yeah i bad for for what it is you uh you can't go wrong with it, and they're coming out with a, a newer version that's got more upgraded features on it. So that, that's coming. Nice nice so what about you? What's your- I want a dead air Sandman suppressor. Nice. That is that that's is got that's probably the next one. That's the next most attainable. Yeah, thing. yeah. I'm yeah. with Nate on the whole night vision. I would 100 like to get a set of. Some Nodge, yeah, I'd love to get some. Yeah. Like some 31 Alphas or something with White Foss because I've used them and I love them. But obtainable, definitely Sandman. Fair. There you go. All right, so now let's flip it. Laws be damned, rules be damned. Uh, what would you own? Money be damned, laws be damned, they don't apply. Old school Gatling gun, Civil War era. Ah, hand crank. Hands down. I would love to have one of those. And 45. Oh, yeah. Colt or long Colt. That would be cool. I think that's probably one of the neatest firearms ever invented. That's an MP5 SD. Uh, that's a good one. So if you had all the money in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's just the start. And no, no rules, no laws applied to we you. We can play the if I win the lottery game. You oh, know, yeah. But that's what we're I'm playing. That's what we're Look, playing. I can't say like a fighter jet because I kill sure myself. Can. I don't know how to fly. But you've got the money to train somebody to train. Fair you. point. Fair point. But I'm bad on instant gratification. I want it and I want it now. Yeah. yeah well, and you get instant gratification with every turn. 
Just that sound, yeah. Yeah. It's like a popcorn machine. Mm-hmm. All right, next question is, do you believe in UFOs? You know, I've been asked this question a lot. Uh, I'm kind of one of those people I have to believe it to see it kind of things. Uh-huh. So I'm not dispelling the fact that there may or may not be UFOs because I don't know. Yeah. And but when I say I'm UFOs, I'm talking about aliens. Oh, no, I totally get what you're saying. Okay. Sometimes, um, you know, UFO, and yeah, I believe that there's things that people don't know what it is. But Yeah, Yeah. no, so, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Um, like I said, I have to see it to believe it kind of person, but I'm not going to sit there and say that there may or may not be something out there. I mean, if, if human life is the only intelligent life in this universe, you know, I get the good Lord put us here, but there's infinite amounts of universes, so... Somewhere along the lines, there has to be something else. Yeah, it's but have they been like here? But have yeah. they been to Earth? Because I'm I'm know. of the belief that I don't believe in visitation here, but I do believe that there is life other than on Earth. I I, I, would, I would agree with that. I'm on that bandwagon. We're not the only thing in this entire existence for of everything. Can't be. But I don't I don't think there's because I'm an odds guy. Odds are against yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that there's not. Yeah, I mean, they're finding traces of water on Mars and stuff. Like, let's be real. What about Bigfoot? So, oh, Bigfoot's no, he's made up. Somebody would, with the technology we have today. Yeah, there'd be a trail cam photo. Yeah, but do you want to believe time. in Bigfoot? Oh, I want I Bigfoot to be real so bad. And would you yeah. go on a Bigfoot every, hunt? Every time I tell, I think I told Nate. Every time we went in the woods, I was like, you see Bigfoot, you shoot his ass. <laughs> We, we getting him. We're taking a picture. We're going to show that this guy's real. It's the only way to prove it is to bring in a dead one. I an apple pie and being nice to you. Shoot him. Shoot him. I, I love it. So I would go on a hunt, but I wouldn't go on it specifically to kill him. So Trank or Capture or, yeah, you know, would be nice. something along those lines. But if I had to shoot the motherfucker, I would. Exactly. You know, if he's, if he's throwing rocks at me and coming at me and, you know, he's going to rip me apart. I feel like if you... He's a dead Wookiee. He's either running away from you or running at you, so you're probably going to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we did the the bucket list. We did the the UFOs. I had an... Oh, are you a Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. Hands yeah. down, Star Wars. Star Wars? Oh, yeah. I like them both. My mom would yell at me. My mom was a huge Star Trek fan. But That's not saying Star Trek isn't a good yeah. TV show or anything, but definitely no, Star Wars. I, I but it's movies, movies too. But I mean, they do movies. I know, I know. Yeah, I haven't. Star seen Wars hasn't. Well, I take that back. Now they've done TV because the Mandalorian and all the stuff that they're doing on Disney. I guess it's that, actually a good show. Never watched it. It was actually a good show. Yeah. I at least I think it was. I'm, so I'm throwing um, the guy who plays the Mandalorian on the Jack Wagon train. Speaking of Jack wagons, uh oh, oh yeah, because he was a uh, he was anti written house and he was. He was saying that those guys that he shot were heroes, the pedophile and the the domestic abuser, and yeah, he was. On, on, on that note, you know, guy shoots. Uh, what was his name? Guy on trial. Um, Rittenhouse. Oh, the uh, guy that he shot. Yeah, convicted yeah. felon. Like, what are you doing with a handgun to begin with? Uh, if our gun control laws are so great, how did he have a handgun? Yeah. And why is he not uh, on trial for? For that exactly how's he not Felon on trial for, and yeah. now that it's been proven that rittenhouse was in self-defense why aren't these people on trial for assaulting him 
Yeah. Exactly. Salt with a deadly weapon. Yeah. That's, a, that's that, a whole other drag. Even the skateboard guy. guy. Yeah. That little guy. Don't worry about that little guy. Yeah. All right. Last question, and then we're gonna get to listener questions. We need to, Jim. We've been talking. Yeah. We've been talking. Then we got to listener questions to do the giveaway. So if you could spend the day at the range with anyone uh, or any group of people, dead, alive, or fictional, who would it be? Dead, alive, or fictional? The any one person or group of people? Yeah. Group of people. Uh, dude, I'm gonna go with the the wider Doc Holiday, Wild Bill. Like okay. to see those guys shoot back in those days, like you had to have some skill. Yeah. So I'd love to see that in person. And then if you go present day, unfortunately, he's not around anymore. He passed away. But Bob Munden was a phenomenal shooter. If you're familiar with Bob Munden, yeah. and he could run a, a revolver gun. Like, man, he could run it. So run those it'd be kind of to see him shoot too. Yeah. I'm going with the Duke, man. I just want to go shoot with John the, Wayne. John Wayne. Had, okay. We've had that several times. Yeah. I, look, McClinic is probably one of the, you know, cornerstones of what i grew up watching so yeah i i can't help that one there you go yeah it's a good one can't can't fault you on that one. very cool all right you guys did it you made it through the new guy questions like <laughs> hey. you took them on you, you knocked them out uh great question had some new answers that maybe we've never heard before and you're the first ones to get the star wars star trek question so I like it. Nice. Congratulations. You're the second to get the UFO Bigfoot question. So that's some some new ones I threw in there. I just wanted to spice it up a little bit. Variety. Variety like is it. the spice of life. Am I still scaring sharing my screen or are you guys up here? No, we're, we're up. up. Okay, let's do let's go to the listener questions now. We've got there some go. we got a two hundred and fifty dollar Daniel Defense uh gift card to use at their store, their online store. Good for apparel only. Because they don't sell firearms, obviously. So you guys pull up Instagram, pull up Facebook, and I want you to go through there. I want you to fill three or four of maybe some of the questions there you see that you'd like to, to field. Some that we haven't really talked about yet, maybe. A topic. So there was one that, that I did want to touch on. Okay. First and foremost, and that was uh, from Flatline Fiber Company. You know, he actually posted a really good, you know, not just a what's your favorite AR question. Yeah, uh, yeah. Flatline we already touched Fiber. on did Daniel, did Daniel Defense start in a garage? Well, kind of, yeah. Garage door business. In a garage yeah. and making garage yeah. doors, you know, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, but the, the one he said under that was, it's actually a really good one. So what's been the largest speed bump? Uh, on your way to growing such a successful business. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one thing we kind of went and we actually kind of did a round robin talk, you know, with a lot of the guys on the team. Cause there's, you know, now this is just our perspective, right? Sure. This, isn't, this, this isn't Marty's. Marty might, have, Marty might have a totally different answer. Um, but the biggest thing we see. That's what he gets for not being on the show. He could have answered this himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the hardest part is that this entire industry is cyclical and volatile and heavily relies on a very small amount of vendors for things like raw materials. Um, so something as simple as a world event or a political event, or, you know, a, just the season gets cold or a holiday comes up, this industry is not consistent. Uh, so when you order, you know, especially for a company like us, 
like Jason touched on, some of our raw material is ordered over a year in advance. So if two months after that order is made, some horrendous you know political event happens and everybody wants to buy guns like this past two years, yeah, uh, you can't keep up. You know, we're a year away from getting steel, you know, and gun sales are going crazy. Well, you're going to eat up all your your inventory uh, quick. Um, and then on top of that, it's just there's always that uh, that fear of the unknown, that fear of that regulatory arm of some government or you know politician coming down and saying that you don't get to do this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It's things you can't predict or plan for. Yep. Now, we have an absolutely awesome uh, team that do our procurement that uh, they were able to see some of the writing on the wall with uh, a lot of this COVID craziness right when it was starting to kick off. And we're able to lessen that burden for us, but it was still it's still tough. So I think, you know, and all in all, to really put a definitive answer on Fiber Co's mm-hmm. question is uh, you we've cultivated and hired intelligent people for these positions and they can foresee some of these events happening and instead of you know taking the risk of hey let's not do it it's that whole philosophy of hey we rather have it and not need it and then need it and not have it kind of thing they go out and they make sure that we have those reserves available in case we run into these shortage supplies there's issues i mean do you have to you know front the cost up front yeah you do it's just the nature of that game that's a a risk you know it's the risk and that's our perspective that's jason and nate's perspective you know we don't get to see the giant grand scheme of how this operation runs how marty's brains working with his you know team one group of people we just don't get to see that so that's why we did that round robin and that's kind of where that round robin and that's kind of the general answer everybody was able to give us because we wanted to give it not just an answer from us but from everyone that we can talk to here very cool all right, pick your next one. This is one we get asked all the time, so I did want to hit on it before okay. we uh, timed out or anything. Uh, was Isum underscore eighty seven? Uh, but he said, "Why does Daniel Defense insist <laughs> on putting the vertical foregrip all the way at the end of the rails?" Uh, seriously, you know, has intrigued him, and he wants to know the benefits. Okay, so it's not a benefit, but there is actually a tangible reason. Actually, two of them. For why, when you get a new Daniel Defense gun, there you have one in here. Yeah, right, right there. Yeah, uh, ish. I'll grab this guy. So, when you get a Daniel Defense rifle, it's going to come out of the box, and that vertical foregrip is all the way out at the front of this rail. Yeah. I'm Not little. like it can't be moved. <laughs> well, I'm little, and it's that's not. You can't do that. Yeah. So, there's two reasons for why it comes out there all the way on the end. Number one, this rail gets that vertical foregrip put on it before the barrel is installed and putting it all the way at the front allows our assembly team to make sure that that hardware is engaging properly and you're not going to be missing hardware when you get it. Also, a part of that is quite simply the trays that these go in when they move around the facility, that puts them far enough out front that they can sit down in the uh, slots. Uh, but it also encourages you as the end user to move this where it's actually comfortable for you. Cause I'm not going to put my vertical foregrip where Jason's going to put his mm-hmm. and you're not going to put yours where I put mine. So 
if you've got to move it, you're going to put it to where you actually want it to be instead of us just arbitrarily picking a, an M-lock slot to put that thing on. And if we left it loose in the box, it's going to be banging around and hitting your finish and Cerakote or anodization or something like that. So yeah. there's actually a reason <laughs> that that thing comes out, you know, Stretch Armstrong style. Gotcha. But we do have a running joke. We have an engineer here who is about, I think, like 6'8". So every time we get that question, we always just want to send them a picture of him. Like, this is why we put this them is all the why, Yeah. <laughs> but no. Well, I mean, it's, it's consistency, too. You put it the same place. People know it's there, and then they can move it when, when they need to because everybody's yeah. different. Good question. All right, next question uh, is going to come from Facebook. This is Ray O'Shields. He says, are there plans to offer the Delta 5 rifle with something other than an AICS pattern magazine? Not that I'm aware of right now. Um, no, that's not to say that it's never going to happen. Again, we got a whole team of folks that do nothing but look at new product. Right now, that's not anything that I've been privy to. Um, no, there's there's some other things happening in that Delta 5 platform on the flip side of that where uh, potential new calibers and configurations and things like that. So, yeah, okay. keep that. In, your, in the back of your brain there. Gotcha. Pick another one there, um, Jason. You need to pick one. Oh, we're going off Nate's phone. There, so. Get in there. Oh, okay. Get in there. Get you a handful of that. <laughs> hmm. Oh, do your airframe one. Oh, yeah. We're going to do uh, Corey underscore Brown underscore MKTM4FN. Okay. Uh, he asked, Jason, what is your favorite air support? And he said, Nate, what do you think of John Lovell's ankle med kit? Daniel Defense, now that you're getting into the long-range precision game, have you considered 5R or left-hand left hand twist or a gain twist for your barrel? So first question, my favorite air support. Um, being part of military and special operations, everybody's thinking, oh, the A-10 Warhog. It is a phenomenal aircraft in, for air support. I've seen it run, and I've have seen it used in at live action and it's awesome uh but however in very quick tight pinches uh at least for us we used to use uh 60s so the blackhawk helicopter and we had a platform that would attach basically little stubby wings to it and we'd call them daps they were direct action penetrators and they're very nimble compared to the a10 and they could get on site extremely fast usually because they were loitering around anyways so we could call them in and they were pretty accurate with that in and they could carry you know 30 millimeter chain guns, Gatlin guns, uh, 2.75 inch rocket pods. Like it had a plethora of assets that we could use. So it was by far my favorite. And with that being said, most of those birds came from the 160th SOAR, which is a special operations fl flying unit for the Army, if no one's familiar. And just like the little birds, the guys who fly those aircraft are the most senior. So you know when you call them, they're going to put those rounds or those rockets exactly where you need them, and it's going to keep you and your buddies alive. So that would have been my favorite aircraft platform, hands down, the UH-60 DAP. Not the A-10 Warthog? Well, I love the A-10 Warthog, but I'm not going to be that typical guy that says it. <laughs> I like your answer. That was a good answer. Did that answer all his questions? No, he had a couple that, more. A couple so more. Okay. he was asking about John Lovell's uh, ankle med kit. So, okay. I, you know, kind of a daily carry on body, first line, you know, med. So I, before you go, shouts, John Lovell, 275 guy, RLTW, buddy. Word. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but I think it's a great idea. 
there's two caveats to that. One, you actually have to wear it, and I can't pull it off. I'm a little guy. You'd look at me like I had a tumor growing out of the bottom of my leg. And two is you need to know how to use the kit that's in it. So if you don't have basic first aid or you know combat lifesaver or first responder, if you don't understand basic bleeding control, I don't care how many tourniquets or how many trauma shears or you know med patches that you've got on, if you don't know how to use any of that gear, it does you no good. So I'd say, I think if you know what you're doing and you're wanting a way to carry first line bleeding control on your body, it's an awesome idea. Otherwise, you can't, it's kind of like shooting. You can't throw money at it and for the best kit and expect it to make you better. That's all going to come from training. You know, I, I carry first line med gear in my vehicle and at my desk, um, but I don't carry it on body right now because I'm not in environments where that would be necessary. So it's all situational. What's and your, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. He had uh, one more question. He was talking about uh, getting into the precision long range and uh, have we considered 5R or left-hand twist or gain twist. For the left-hand twist rate, i not privy to any knowledge of going or going to go that way. But for like gain twist or 5R, we actually, when we hammer forge our barrels, we do special little things to them. So our rifling isn't just like normal rifling. There's a special way we make the man, have the mandrels made to make the rifling that's in our barrels. To make them the to give them the accuracy they have. Now I'm not saying that accuracy is any better than 5R or, or whatever you're using, but it seems to be working for us, and that's what we're going to use. And that's the reason why we do not patent it, and it's still a trade secret for us. We'd rather our competitors spend millions of dollars trying to figure that out than you know patent it, and then now everybody gets to know exactly how we do it. So that's why. Now that's not to say in the future we may make barrels that have 5R or left twist rate or a gain twist i don't know that that's just something i'm not privy to all right next question giddy up what's the next <laughs> weapon platform that dd is going to completely revolutionize my money is on the 73 winchester <laughs> <laughs> so Ugh, like we said the, the funny answer is you know we're working on a lot of stuff but the the legitimate answer is we do have a lot of really cool stuff coming, uh, but Marty's vision is if it goes in, on, or is a gun, at a certain point, he wants to be able to make something for it. So, uh, you know, th there's always going to be things in the works. Now, I don't think we're going to get into the lever gun game anytime soon. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. you know, Never seen I mean, Mar Marlon does a pretty good job. So. There you go. Makes it go into. J. Edgar Paradox, how can I become a product tester for y'all? <laughs> this is probably one of the most frequently asked questions I think we always get. No no offense to him at all. Um, it truly depends. It, it really depends. Uh, we get a lot of influencers that ask and we don't. Same way we get employees, like the people we have show our brand is they're vetted. Like for and kind of kind of to deviate, but like if you take Ferrari, if either one of us three walked into a Ferrari dealership and wanted to buy a Ferrari that cost one point five million, and we had three million in a briefcase, they would basically tell you to f off, because they they care about their brand and their name. They're not just going to sell their car to just regular Joe Schmo. It's just not how it works. So now, the other part of that is, 
our testing's all done here, but also um, the majority of what gets tested is at units that have three-letter designations that we're not able to talk about. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff right now that's in very austere environments that that we've made, but it doesn't say Daniel Defense anywhere on it. Um, and they are actively testing new products. So as much as we want everybody to, you know, if you so, buy our stuff. So for his, yeah. the answer to his question is go to your local dealer and buy yep. one. Yep. yep. <laughs> there, there you go. That's, that's, I hate hey. to say it. It's harsh, but unfortunately, Look, that's just. Go buy yeah. one. Run it hard. You guys are being too nice. Problem, he's he's a regular listener. He gets it. I think he knew what the answer was going to be. So. Hey, some folks don't, man. Like, legitimately, you know, we touched on it. When you call Daniel Defense, you're you're not going to get a robot or a phone tree. You're you're talking to me or Jason or Frank or one of the guys. So we, we deal with a lot of these questions, you know. Hey, how about you send me a free hat? Hey, why don't you, you know, send me a free gun? You know, I'm I'm in I'm in college and I can't afford it. Can you send me a discount code? And you know, it's not to sound callous, but we're not going to discount the brand by by starting to cut the price of you know and oh, yeah. discounting the gun. Yeah, so, I don't think anybody expects that either. You'd be amazed. Kenneth H. McGee explained sixty degree bolt throw versus ninety degree. Pros, cons of each, and why 60 seems to be the new standard. High level. High level. And we're going to read one more, and it'll be it. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll try and, like, make it as simple as possible. So the reason why everybody's kind of going, or I'm not going to say kind of, are going to, I don't have very many guns that I know have a 90-degree bolt throw. I have, like, an old-school Mosin. Nagant that has one, my spring 1903 Springfield, I have two. One's Remington and one's Springfield made. They have it. It's just one of those things where over time it's been innovated and been rebuilt. So they've realized that, hey, with a 60-degree throw, you can actually manipulate your bolt faster. It's more of a straight pullback. A lot of people aren't trying to pull up and all the way on the gun. So that's basically making you come off the gun. So you're, you're inaccurate because you're trying to manipulate more of the gun from what you're doing. This is just a more of a, I'm here, I can just flip it with my hand instead of I have to come all the way down here where it would be on 90 degree. Here at 60, it's right here. I have just yeah. a simple straight up. Gun has like almost no movement. However, with a 90, I'm twisting the gun. So the 60 makes it a little more accurate, makes it faster, and that's what people want nowadays with guns. They want to be And with quick, today's technology, they've been able to put these on simulators and computer programs and, you know, been Correct. able to test it virtually to for mm -hmm. the for the ergonomics of that, yeah, yeah. and the mechanics but of that. In, in reality, what it truly boils down to, um, it's personal preference. It there really is. Um, like I said, for the market that we're hitting in the general market, they're going to use a 60-degree throw. It's just that's how that's how it's going nowadays. But if you want a 90 degree throw, you can get like an old school Mauser action or something of that nature. It's just a, it's a preference thing at that point. Yeah. All right. You guys pick one more. All right. If you see one on uh, Instagram there or Facebook, I don't know if you're on Facebook or not. And then we're going to Instagram right now. So I'm seeing where Bill said he's not coming. And I'm still mad at <laughs> Bill. What a jerk. Bill All right. What's your favorite? This is a good one to end on. What's your yeah. favorite model and why? Um, okay. I'll keep it in the DD line. So, personally, Mark 18, I have a Mark 18 SBR that's been, that was my first DD product I bought long before I worked for this company. Uh, that gun's got 
35,000 rounds on it right now, all suppressed, and it's still running like a sewing machine. So uh, if I'm leaving the house, odds are that thing's coming with. So that it's just, it's heavy. It's a little gassy because it's running a can, but I just love it. I, it's just works every time. Like your guns, uh, like you like your women, a little gassy, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all not listening yet, so we're fine. So, yeah, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, M4A went all day. Uh, I've cleared rooms with them. I've been in tight situations when it comes to vehicles. I trust it. Um, throughout my entire military career using M4A1, I cannot honestly tell you of a malfunction that I had that wasn't magazine-related. I just – I really can't. I'm not saying that because I work for DD or it's DD and this is what the podcast is about. I just – I can't. I'm not saying that hasn't happened to other people. Everything fails at some point. Sure. But – um M4A1, same thing like Nate said. I just, I know it. I trust it. I can make it go into those places that his Mark 18 does. I can make it go in places that the 16-inch barrel go, go, does. It's, and that just, that goes back to that whole, if you train with it and you know it, you can make it work. Much you make it comfortable with. Yeah. So, yeah, M4A1. It's, to me, it's an all-around universal rifle. You can use it for a lot of different things. Can't argue with that. And especially with the, the time you put in on it, you know, that's a bold, bold statement there. Yeah. I own, like, Four or five. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So go through there uh, on uh, Instagram, and they don't get extra for more questions. So, and I'm gonna read the names off, and then I'm gonna assign a number to them. So start off. What are we just reading? What do you want us to do? I got lost. Hold on. So I want you to read the people who posted questions, their names. Oh, all right. And I'm gonna assign uh, a number to them. And then we're going to do a random number generator to pick the winner. Are we are we including Fleo Abil in here? No, he's not eligible. <laughs> he's all not right, eligible. We got Dragon Daddy. Dragon Daddy. All right, he's number one. P Man three zero one. Okay, P Man's number two. John Adams the third. He's number three. Brett Bedo. Bedal. Bedal, that one. There number four. Uh, Flatline Fiber. Flatline, he's eligible. Flatline Fiber will be number five. Uh, Sack Archer. Sack Archer will be number six. Uh, what is it? E-S-O-O-M underscore 87. Is number seven. Giddy Up. Giddy Up is number eight. Uh, J. Edgar Paradox. Number nine. Doc Dow 64. Is ten. Dragon Daddy. Didn't you already read case. him? We already read him. He's already on there. Okay. Yep, he's already he had two on. questions. Does he get double nope. entries? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Corey Brown. Corey Brown. Corey Brown. All right. We're on what? Number 11? Mustang Perry. Must. I know Jason wants him to win. He's number 12. I mean, we should have. That ESIM's already been on there. And then, uh, oh, Lord. Uh, J U H I P K 6. But that looks like it might be a spam. That's spam. Yeah. He don't get it. He don't get an yeah. entry. So that's right. that's the Instagram ones. All right. So Facebook, we've got Ray O Shields. So he's thirteen. Kenneth H McGee fourteen. Jerry Black fifteen. And then we've got some repeats from Instagram that are on Facebook, so they don't get. That's pretty good odds for a two hundred fifty dollar DD yeah, gift that's card. That's great right? odds, right? I tried to tell people. 
I, I work at DD. They don't give us free stuff like that. No. <laughs> so you leadheads should feel very privileged. All right, I'm going to share the screen here. And how many does we got? Fifteen total. Mm-hmm. One in fifteen chance. Let's uh, share my screen here so they can see what I'm doing. No, I'm not doing any favorites here. Start sharing. So this is the same random number generator I used last time. Calculator.net. And I've got a lower limit and an upper limit. One to 15. That's how I'm supposed to do that, right? I'll find out. And I'm, gonna hit, so. I'm gonna hit generate. Boom. Number 10. Doc Dow 64. Doc Dow 64 on Instagram. You are the winner. So shoot me an email, talkinglead at gmail.com. Tell me that you are the winner of the Daniel Defense uh, $250 gift card. And uh, shoot your contact info as well. I'm going to forward it to these guys. And they will let you know what you need to do uh, to get the code or whatever they're going to give you for that. Uh, for that code. So very good. Congratulations. And thanks to all you leadheads that, that participated. Uh, as you can see, the odds are pretty good when people don't participate. Uh, so uh, of all my listeners, I can't believe that's all the participation that we had there. Of course, you know how Instagram and Facebook is about shadow banning us from getting out mm. to our, our target target audience. So, that's again why I, oh, I try to do the live and get it out there, and um, should have told you guys to share it out there too. My bad. I tried. I, I reposted it on my Instagram. Oh, I, my stories. So. I yeah. Did you have any questions on yours? We didn't. No, I didn't get any questions. Okay. Uh, all right, all right. I had like family and friends. Like, oh man, you're doing a podcast? Like, yeah, <laughs> podcast. They're like, what's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my grandmother actually did ask me what a podcast was. She's blessed her heart. You know, she's close to 80 years old now so well that's the first thing i said 10 years ago when i started this you know my buddy's like hey let's do a podcast i'm like all right what the hell's a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and you know i didn't listen to my first podcast till about it was about three or four years ago i've been doing yeah. this for 10 years i didn't listen to the first podcast until until then and i only listen to like comedy stuff or conspiracy theory stuff or ufo stuff that's a, that's all i listen to anyway i, I enjoy that kind of stuff that's it. So, guys, that's it. You made it through the show. Thank you again. Jason, Nate, you guys are awesome. Appreciate you taking the time to be on and uh, sharing the the education, the Daniel Defense education with us. That's it. Mark, and, and, you know, we, we didn't talk about the uh, armorer's course. Um, sorry, oh, I forgot good. about doing that. Uh, but you guys are going to be, Daniel Defense is going to be offering a, an armorer's course to uh, the civilian population. Talk about that. That's correct. Yeah. So before we get off here, so yeah. I actually teach the armors course here at DD. Um, just one of my many jobs here, other than just shooting guns all day. Uh, but while COVID hit, it was just just for mile team members, so military law enforcement. But come 2020, we have three open enroll classes. They're for 12 individuals. You'll find them on the retail store starting January. Ah. You can pay for it. Uh, all you have to do is come here. We provide the rifle for you to practice on. We provide tools and everything else. It's a two-day event. You come here, you learn about DD guns. And then uh, what we're trying to also do, may or may not happen just yet, is incorporate a range day in there as well. So it will be 
part of the second day. Oh, we got to work out some logistical logistics. logistics with HR and everything. So for yeah. those that are listening, don't get your hopes up just yet, but keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, there you go. And can he use that gift card on that? <laughs> not, nope. not, not available yet. yet. Not yet. No. That, okay. that one's just going to be, so it'll be on danieldefensestore.com. So our, uh, for legal reasons, the firearm sales and the soft goods and apparel have to be a separate site. Separate sites, uh, yeah. So that's that gift card will be good for the apparel Stupid site. legal. Everybody yeah. <laughs> Everybody else go check it out. Get you a, a DD hat. You know, pull Sweatshirts. It's. It's it's sweatshirt season, man. It is. It is. Y'all got, got some nice ones. Y'all got some nice sweatshirts. And it's black multicam. They got them in green and all kinds of other <laughs> There colors. you go. And speaking of the season, uh, Leadheads, go and support our sponsors. They've got good deals going on now, Black Friday deals, Mission First Tactical, uh, the magazines, the AR accessories that they have there, and uh, the dump trays, and then now they've got bags. I don't know if that they're available on the website. I think you get them at uh, Academy. <laughs> Um, but use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 20% off if they don't have a deal already going. Use that code LEADHEAD, 20% off Mission First Tactical. Seal 1 for all your gun cleaning needs and protection. Seal 1 and done. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 25% off at seal1.com. Um, Nemo Arms, um, one of your competitors. I don't know if they're a competitor or not, but they, they make some... Nemo makes some really good firearms. Um, I have a Nemo. I have a Nemo Exo Carbon. There you go. There you go. Testament right there. You could have used the code TL10 and got 10% off that. Uh, <laughs> TL10 at Nemo Arms. Uh, we're trying to get Bill King on. Uh, he's very busy. They're talking about expanding, like you guys are talking exp- expanding as well. Uh, they're up there in Idaho. But check them out, Nemo Arms. TL10 gets 10% off their firearms, their cans, everything, anything on their website. Uh, Factory 47 for our AK Corner apparel, factory47.com with a K. Use the code LEADHEAD. You get 10% off there. Um, Who else? 1776 United for our classic logo apparel and the LEADHEAD Brigade apparel. Uh, You go to talking, or not talking, you go to 1776 United. Dot com and you're going to use the code talking lead and you're going to get 20% off there. Um, they had to mix it up and we didn't use lead head for them, but everybody else is pretty much lead head on the codes. Uh, and then flatline fiber co, uh, that lead head discount there, 10% off at flatline fiber co, any of their products, occamlube.com lead head, 10% off at occamlube. And uh, Keltec doesn't have anything. I think they got some Black Friday sales and stuff going on on their stuff. Uh, but again, Keltec been sponsors of the show for several years. Couldn't do this without them. Appreciate Chad and Matt and the guys over at Keltec Weapons. Uh, go to their website. That P50, the five seven. Have you seen the five seven by tw- by two eight mm-hmm. that they've got? Uh, yeah. It's it's just a beast. Fifty rounds. Um, Go check that out. And then, of course, you can go to their store. They've got apparel and some other cool stuff at their website. And like I said, I think they're running some Black Black Friday into year specials there, too. Uh, and then, of course, Daniel Defense. Go to DanielDefense.com. Do you guys have any Black Friday specials, end of year specials going on? Not right now. We did an apparel special uh, on the DanielDefenseStore.com side. But they, they should be doing something for the holiday season here pretty quick. And Keep an eye on it. But yeah, you can see everything we make on on DanielDefense.com. 
Very cool. And then, uh, Leadheads, as always, you shoot me an email, talkingled at gmail.com. If you've got questions, comments, suggestions, there's a certain topic you want us to talk about, certain guests you want us to have on the show, uh, or you just want to shoot the shit with me, you got uh, just a question in general. I get those all the time. And I had one about a dog leash the other day. Uh, we had had a guy on several years ago that this guy bought a dog leash and swears by it. And uh, I can't remember who it is, but I've asked several people, uh, but I'm still tracking that down for you, so don't give up. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Definitely, we'll figure it out. He couldn't remember the episode either. But, um, but yeah, I hope everybody has a safe uh, holiday. we got several more episodes coming up before Christmas. Uh, so stay tuned. we got more giveaways. And, of course, don't forget about our awesome giveaway we're doing with the Galil. Go to my Instagram up in the bio. And Galil, Lockdown, Seal One, Mission First Tactical, Flightline, Fiberco, and Enforce. Uh, all that awesome package that we put together for that Galil giveaway till the end of December. So make sure you go and register and enter for that, Nate. I'm going. I got we'll it. it. I got Jason's, it. Jason's done it already. He's in it. He's in it. I'm going to let you down, Mark. He's in it I'll to win it. Give me some yeah, more. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... So that does it for another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Guys, again, I love hearing from you. Shoot me an email, talkingled at gmail.com. Until then, as always, keep your loved ones close. Keep your firearms closer with a Canada Defense M4A1. Hey, look, as long as it's a DD, keep it real close. It'll go click and bang when you need it to. That's it.